Hello, it is Aaron Rodgers Tuesday, December 28th. Bill Goldberg's here. Yes, that Bill Goldberg. Aaron Rodgers, obviously, here on this Aaron Rodgers Tuesday for a long stay. Great conversation. The boys are here. AJ's off for today. He's back tomorrow. But I think today's show is going to be one where you're going to say, yeah, good show. If that's the case, be a friend, tell a friend. If not, just act like it never happened. Let's get to it. There is a new ripple in the NFL season. That is that a team that started out 1-7 in this NFL season gets a massive win on Monday Night Football last night, propels themselves even further into the playoff contention conversation after going 1-7 to start the year. Dolphins fans thought, oh no, we suck again. So much high hopes. The books had him at number two or number one in the AFC East, but instead, rocky start, stumbling out of the gates. We stink in Miami. Their diehard fan base, which is very loyal, very rabid, and very rude sometimes. Yeah, a little bit. You could say that. We which I respect, by the way. I like that type of passion for their... Those fans stuck by their side, but they thought they were going to live through another miserable 18 weeks with 17 games because of how the season started. Au contraire, mon frere, beef low in the South Beach boys have turned that thing around. They get a massive win over the New Orleans Saints who have played 57 different dudes this year on a team um, that involves 11 on 11. Mm -hmm. So just start doing the math, 57 different people. It's an NFL record. They've gone through a lot of injuries and situations at different positions that are tough to get over and obstacles and COVID came through and smacked them right in the mouth. Mm -hmm. Just like it seems like it's happening everywhere, but massive win for the Dolphins, massive win for the Doll fam and the Finn fam, massive win for me who ended up picking the Dolphins strictly because A.J. Hawk, who will not be here today, he'll be back to Tomorrow. What? Okay. Come on. He's got stuff to do. He's missing Aaron Rodgers too. So Aaron Rodgers will be here. Okay. okay. Uh, Goldberg oh, will be here. What? Hell yeah. What? Yeah. Goldberg. Goldberg. Had a birthday yesterday, so we'll tell him happy birthday. Have a conversation with him. Can't wait to chat with him because day one's this weekend in Atlanta where Bill Goldberg is not from, but he's billed from whenever he wrestles because he went to UGA and you get it. But anyways, AJ took the Saints. Last night, plus three at home. And I think it's because the defense, how good they are on defensive side of the ball, just a couple weeks removed from shutting out Tampa Bay Buccaneers and having a, but they were depleted, I think, back there. Still the NFL. AJ still had faith in Sean Payton in that offense. We had never seen Ian Book play in the men's league, but AJ Hawk picked the Saints to win at home because in the 2021 season, maybe Ian Book in a team that's completely, you know, beat up by COVID would be able to get a win at home or at least cover plus three at home. Instead, Tua Tonga-Valoa, who I watched a conversation with Jeff Darlington before that game kicked off last night, I don't know how you don't like him. The way he spoke confidently, he had all the cliche-type answers about you know giving credit to everybody else, uh, putting everybody else over, but he said it in his own fashion. I enjoyed him a lot. I think if I was a fan of the Dolphins, I'd be a big fan of Tua Tonga-Valoa, who is pretty much a rookie You know, after what happened last year. Not that it's a different head coach and a rebuild or anything like that, just with the Fitzmagic situation and the handling and then the offseason. I just love Tua after that conversation with Jeff. I thought it was incredibly well done. And after watching that game, you have to be pumped about this Miami Dolphins squad. Uh, And to tell us his side of this all is a man who's from the north left part of Canada. Sure. Diehard fan of the bottom right. Mm -hmm. 
United States of America team, Miami Dolphins, right. has been his entire life. Hammer Don yesterday had a massive success. We'll get to that in a second before we talk to, uh, we have to talk to uh, Gumpy about this. You said alternate spread minus 14. You thought the Dolphins were buzzing and flying around. Now the whole world got to watch Tua and Waddle go to work, Gumpy. You got to be feeling good. The boys are buzzing, huh? Defense is incredible. Waddle is fucking unbelievable. That dance is the best. Tua's playing well. Has he been doing that all season? Oh, yeah, every time. He's been doing a waddle waddle. Every time. (laughs) See, a waddle waddle. Waddle waddle. That's a great fucking celebration. Now, granted, I said going into the year, after me and the Dolphins fam, the Finn fam, the Dolph fam, the Fins Up community what? got into a little bit of a tiff on Twitter. I said, I'm going to make sure that this show talks about the Dolphins more than any other show. Mm-hmm. I think we've, we've done that, but it was tough to talk about a 1-7 team for a while. Mm-hmm. So therefore, if we're not going to talk a lot about them, probably not going to be on the main TV. I'm not going to be able to see everything they do, no matter who they're playing. And that's a shame. It shouldn't be like that, especially after what I got to watch last night. That was electrifying. The Waddle Waddle should be in discussion a lot more. Incredibly clever. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how long he, he's been doing it. Did he do it in college? He missed a year, right? He set out this last year. He didn't, he, he didn't play for a year? No, he did. He got no, hurt. He, he, got, hurt. he, got, he yeah. got hurt and he still ran a drag in the national championship. Back. Yeah. Yep. He's unbelievable. The Waddle Waddle is amazing. You got a lot to like up there or down there in Miami. What if that team goes on a little bit of a run with B Flow finessing refs, mm-hmm. you know, and making huh. plays happen right there? How do you feel, Gump? Hey, we'll just keep beating who's in front of us. A lot of people saying you haven't beat anybody. See what happens in Tennessee on Sunday. The boys are buzzing. Well, I don't know oh, if yeah. you want to do that with Vrabes. All right, nice. Vrabes, Vrabes and B-Flow. So, yeah. Okay. Same more. You're talking about... Uh... Now, B-Flow finessing those refs was awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I don't like the way Monday Night Football made us believe that B-Flow called the timeout and didn't show the rest of the conversation because I thought it was a massive finesse, him saying timeout, and then uh, somebody either telling him, like, no, 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 let's save the timeout. We got a timeout right now. And then him having to, you know, sweet talk. I guess what actually happens is, and this has been told on the Internet, and I think they, John Perry said it, even though John Perry was wondering if the ball hit the ground, I thought we changed that rule. The ball, it doesn't oh. matter if the ball hits the ground. It just doesn't have to move. Whatever. Wild. John Perry was saying that the ref actually goes up to the head coach and says, hey, what do you want to do? You have a timeout available or we can wind the clock. B-Flow might at the beginning of that said probably a timeout. And then when the ref explained the entire situation, he was like, oh, then we'll just wind the clock. But then he, I think he acted dumb for a second. Other ref comes in. Other ref comes in. What's the situation? You know, classic. <laughs> yeah. Like when somebody asks you a question, you recite the question mm-hmm. so that you can think of the answer while mm-hmm. you're doing it. B-Flow was asking, what, 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 what's going on? What's going on? While he's doing that, I think offense coordinator probably like, hey, let's get on the fucking ball. We should have been there already. And if it, So I enjoyed that. I enjoy what it feels like the team is around B-Flow. I enjoy his intensity. I enjoy his passion. And I enjoy the fact that that team – could have had every excuse to quit at 1-7. Yeah. I mean, that is tough. Mm-hmm. That is tough. But B-Flow was probably pitching a 17-game season. Okay? This year, there's more parity than there's ever been. There's a lot of losses on a lot of teams. Teams we didn't expect to lose have more losses than they would have had in years that they would have down years. And it's not just because of the 17-game season. It's because who knows what the fuck's going on with this NFL season. And they just fought and clawed their way back. Look at the Colts. They were like 1-5 or something like that. They've come back. It's been incredible to watch these teams kind of come out of nowhere and get hot. 
And it's like those teams are the teams you got to be scared about because they've been around some shit. They've been through some shit. Their foundation has been laid on scars. And, you know, it's that's something you need going in a really important football, but you also got to be incredibly talented. Did, do the Dolphins have enough to make a run this year? TBD. But I think, God damn, there's a good base down there to kind of grow on unless they just cut everybody from their team again. Which is certainly possible. possible. We aren't 100% sure if that's happening. The biggest winner of the night, not just the Dolphins uh, community and uh, Tua, who had an incredible game. That one pick was stupid. I I don't know what was going on there. Only one. But I like that he was... He was yeah, letting it fly. Letting it fly uh-huh. there a bit, yeah. Really? Big time catch from Cuz with great hair down the sideline. Mm-hmm. Who's also on special teams, so I fucking love him. Mac Mac yeah, I love that guy. Big time catch, but, I mean, that's the NFL. That's going to happen. They were letting that thing loose. Is that what happens every game? Does he throw the ball deep? Why is everybody talking about him not being able to complete a deep ball? Why is that a conversation? He doesn't have a strong arm. Usually three or four times a game, not too much. I think he got excited on that one, let it eat. But, I mean, Waddle was wide open right where the first down market was. But that was the only ball. The ball to Mac Hollins was beautiful. As soon as he threw that, I thought to myself, oh, they're going to have a field day with this. Yeah. Yeah. People are going to have a field day with this. Oh, here's two. And then on a sideline, they were trying to show him, and he looked like he was actually genuinely pissed. And I was like, oh, I like that. I like what we're seeing here. He came out, he answered. Played great. I love Tua. I love his makeup. I love the way he's played. I haven't loved the way it's all rolled out for him. But I, I like I like that they got that win last night. Oh, now, yeah. with that being said, Gumpy, you did tell me this morning that you were sitting on a nuke that you didn't want to say because it was going against the Dolphins. You didn't want to jinx it. No Ian has ever won a game in the NFL. Oh, no, never. Jeez. No Ian has ever won as a starting quarterback in the NFL. That's a Gumpy nuke, Becker? True story, my friend. Yeah, he was sitting on that all day yesterday. Okay. So whenever I, I – I don't want to say I was forced to take the Dolphins because AJ took the Saints, but yeah. with the way the – like, I was actually forced to take the Dolphins with everything. And I, I like the Dolphins. I like the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gumpy, you know, say I, – I wanted to kind of ease your worries here. Ian's don't fucking win in nope. the NFL. <laughs> Notre Dame quarterbacks <laughs> in general. Yeah. Notre Dame quarterbacks, like 23 straight starts in the NFL, have been lost by Notre Dame. This is via Mike Triplett, who I believe is not related to the ref Triplett. But the last win by a Notre Dame quarterback was Brady Quinn in week 13 of the 2012 season. 2012 season versus the Panthers. <laughs> Big win, though. He's Louise. Huge. Huge. Brady Quinn did it for, for Jesus. Yep. Touchdown Jesus. Mm-hmm. Of course. He did it for the Golden Domers. Yep. That's right. He did it for South Bend. Oh, yeah. yeah. What? He Family. did it for the Bible. Wow. He did it for the stand-up, sit-down, pray, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not 100% sure. I don't think I've ever really been to a Catholic service other than one Catholic wedding I went to. And boy, that was a long one. Yeah. I mean, boy, I did oh, not yeah. expect to do a full uh, calisthenics routine. It made me a better person, though, coming what? out of there. You know, I earned that drink in the reception. Mm-hmm. That's, right. That's right. I earned that celebration yeah. for what I put through. And I appreciate the cat. My dad's a Catholic, I believe. So he, he kind of moved went on. Went to from a Catholic high school. Bingo. So I, I don't, my dad did, not me. No, right. He did. Yeah, my dad, my dad did. But so I, I, I apologize if that's not 100% how the service goes. I believe that's in there. That is how the service goes. Yeah. And Brady did it for all of them. He did. You know, Brady did it for all Thank the you. congregation, all, all the Catholic schools around the country. That's right. Which I am learning are actual feeder schools for Notre oh, Dame. Yeah. I don't know how much it is anymore, but yeah, like, I mean, you know, before me and like my grade growing up, like if you went to a Catholic school, like, you know, and you played football or whatever, like you, you wanted to go play at Notre Dame, especially in the Midwest. So the Catholic school, prep school, all stars dreamt of going to mm-hmm. Notre Dame. I think a lot yeah. did, yeah. They got ball players. So whenever I just can't win in the NFL. No. You know, and Ian was going to maybe change that for the first time in 22 straight. 
And instead, Ian fell victim to the same exact thing yeah. all the other Notre Dame quarterbacks. And at some point, you got to wonder, why is that? Why, why do they just think in the NFL, other than Brady Quinn, obviously? Yeah, who, yes. We are a big fan of Brady Quinn, the way he operates, the way he... He's a statue. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That guy is. Chris Scott. Yeah, he is. He's a Greek god type mm-hmm. thing. But why is that? Why do they stink? We'll answer that some other day, I guess. But the conversation now has to revolve around the fact Ian Book really had no chance to win that. No, he no. didn't even get a chance to throw <laughs> with, I guess, anybody on the team until earlier in the day at the Superdome. They were running like routes on air because he wasn't able to practice because of a contact or distance or whatever. So Ian Book had really not played catch with anybody he was playing football with last night until yesterday. Kind of set him up for failure. They were, they, Kamara was on the sideline a lot, it felt oh, like. Yeah, full drive. But then as he was coming back into the game, Greasy was unloading a stat about that he's actually getting more of the ball this year than he ever has in the past. So it, you wonder, like, oh, Sean Payton trying to save Kamara, I wonder. Like, is he trying, like, hey, we got to take some hits off of you, especially this season, so there might be some you're not in. Or is it uh, – who knows what's going on? But the biggest winner of the night, okay? By far. By far, was one half of the hammered dime cowboy. Yeah. The COVID cowboy. Mm-hmm. A man who called a plus 8,000 same game parlay, as a matter of fact. And so many people hit it. Miami defense or special teams going to score a touchdown. How you doing first points of the game? Yeah. Jalen Waddle's going to score a touchdown. How you doing, little jet sweep? Probably would have scored another one if he didn't score on that play. Under 37 points. This game's going to stink. This is going to mm-hmm. be my field day. Tone Diggs <laughs> called that yesterday on Hammered Down. Gumpy called alternate spread of 14. Let's go ahead and celebrate the incredible brains that are the hammer. Good night. Down. Crow, Tone Diggs, how'd you know, pal? Do you have a good feeling? Is this what Hammered Down is always doing? And I just miss some of these you, you walk through and you go both these no offense both these offenses fucking stink uh both defenses are pretty good <laughs> sad about it. no offense That's no it. offense it's always got to do this just talked about two dude Dante. a little bit like, two it took a couple shots dropped some balls and I mean, yeah yeah it was good last night they, they only put up 20 points so congrats saints congrats. defense pretty good now. yeah so crazy. 137 check waddle's really their only weapon that they i mean gasecki is great Fucking Devonte Parker's great, but you know they haven't been. You know they're not getting the targets. So Waddle gets all the targets. Let's get let's get Waddle to get in the end zone. Okay, okay. And then Ian Book, go on. You gonna give him one? All right. So <laughs> we did talk about that yesterday on the show. Actually, whenever we talked about the two players <laughs> and uh, or the two teams, who's going to score? Diggs actually said, "Well, actually, um, Dolphins. I like the Dolphins. <laughs> yeah, I like the Dolphins defense." Created an incredible same game parlay. We appreciate you doing that. Maybe Tony. Plus eight thousand in the holiday season here. Oh, Is a- sixteen grand out there. Let's go. go, boys. Congrats to that person. Congrats to everybody. Thank you, Diggs, for this and the Hammer Down Boys for making us money somehow on a daily basis. You've been doing it for eight, nine months, ten months at this point. I have no clue how you have continued on the heater, but we appreciate you boys immensely. Let's talk about who you bet against there, Ian Book. You say this dude's going to throw a pick six. We have a graphic. All right. These are dudes playing in meaningful football games at the most important position in sports in December. Okay. This is in one weekend. So you had Dougie Mills here. All right. Mm -hmm. If you notice at the bottom, the record, the only win. So Dougie Mills in two, three years might look back at this graphic being on here and be very pissed off about it. Sure. Because this dude might be a guy. We have no idea. Dougie Mills is in a situation where nobody could have expected him to win. He's like fourth quarterback on the roster if you count Deshaun Watson. Every time he's played... 
pretty fucking good. Oh, yeah. But then you have to judge like the team, the franchise, the whole thing. So other than Dougie Mills, let's look at Tim fucking Boyle. <laughs> Hell yeah. Starting quarterback in the NFL for the Detroit Lions in week 16 of an 18-week season and meaningful games with higher ratings than ever, more popularity than ever. Tim Boyle. Josh Johnson, love the story. Yep. Josh Johnson playing instead of the most electric football player the game has seen, uh, Lamar Jackson. And in, Tyler sorry. Huntley, who balled out, got COVID. So. Boom. Tyler Huntley, <laughs> yeah. who was almost – he's up. Mike Glennon and Jake Fromm started for one of the biggest markets in the world team in a division <laughs> matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles. They played. Then you got Drew Locke, who at this point, I mean, still... Who knows? Who knows? Whatever uh, the case. Ian Book and then Sam Darnold. I mean, we apologize for putting you on here, Sam, but legit, have you won anything? I, I don't think. No. And it, not, not his fault, obviously. It's none of these guys' fault. But what I'm saying is the NFL is in no way wishing... For these dudes to all be on a graphic together that says starting quarterbacks for one weekend. There is no way the NFL projected, no matter how many COVID um, tests they ran or future analytic studies or what are those called, I guess, uh, projections of how COVID would go. There is no way they thought all these dudes would be starting in week 16, December football, with more teams uh, still in the running to make the playoffs than ever before. And that's why I assume with the CDC making their change from 10 days to 5 days, which, by the way, did the CDC really want that? Twitter told me it wasn't CDC who made that decision. It was the Delta CEO who talked to the CDC, Mm -hmm. who the CDC made that decision. So if the CDC is just so quick to turn over because the Delta CEO talks to them, don't we have to question everything else that happened for the last two years? I'm not going to get into it. Uh, It's not my thing. Way above my pay grade. Hope somebody smart answers those questions because Twitter's telling me that the CDC was filled with doctors and scientists did not use their doctor and scientist stuff, which we've been told to listen to for the last two years. They actually listened to a CEO of a commercial plane company that nobody is ever happy with, right? <laughs> Nobody's ever happy with it. No. So how the fuck does that happen? Somebody tell me the truth. We don't know what the truth is, but CDC has now moved from 10 days to five days. And at some point during this entire thing, we weren't listening to the CDC. Now we are listening to the CDC. We're not listening to who's potentially benefiting at all times, <laughs> but we are listening to who's benefiting at this one time. The world's fucked. What I'm saying is... The NFL is going to change some protocols Yeah, with all those dudes being the starting quarterbacks for teams in their season, in the biggest league, in the biggest time. The NFLPA is going to have to obviously push back because they are always on the side of we are here for health and safety, and they have to be that. That's our biggest leverage point. But there is who knows what the fuck's going to happen these last couple weeks. Spot testing. Who's IQVIA mm-hmm. is randomly generating oh, yeah. who's getting tested, yeah. who's not getting tested. Vaccinated players who are asymptomatic, learning of them being positive for COVID because they got spot tested and they're out of game. Darius Leonard, non-vaccinated player, said he did not feel any sickness at all. Got tested, he's asymptomatic, missing two games for the Colts right now going into playoffs. Good. Hey, his decision, right, mm-hmm. to not give everybody mm-hmm. saying his decision. But there is a lot. Of, he tweeted, Dear Mr. Rogers, or Roger, what's going on after the CDC announcement? Obviously, we're talking to Aaron here in about an hour and a half. I mean, there is there's a lot in the recipe of, oh, shit. You know yeah. what I mean? For the last two weeks of this NFL season with a lot on the line. Talks to tables here at Ty Schmidt at Boston Connor. Ty. I don't even know where to start with you. You didn't, <laughs> yeah. you didn't get to really cover any of that. But the world's changing at a rapid rate right now. We don't know what's going to happen for Thursday's game, 
Is there a Thursday game? No, no. Thursday no. Game. Sunday's game or Monday. Any of the Sunday games, any of the Monday games. No games on Saturday because they didn't want to compete against day one. That's right. True. Available yeah. on Peacock. Smart mm-hmm. move. Uh, they Smart. Want to, the NFL said we don't want to go against day one. Down there in Atlanta, obviously. Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar. What? what? That's going to be insane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So the NFL all day Sunday and Monday night. We might have three different protocols by the time Monday night football comes. Yeah, and I think Pelissero did mention something like that this morning. They have to change it again because I think, what was it, The uh, someone tweeted it might have been Pelissero all of last year. There were 292 mm-hmm. positive cases or whatever, and since Thanksgiving this year, there've been, there's been over 400. Mm-hmm. So it's like this isn't going anywhere, you know, and if these guys are, you know, Asymptomatic. Back, asymptomatic, they're not vaccinated, boosted, had COVID before, asymptomatic. Right. I mean, there's a lot of protocols and niches you can put in there, but it's like, what's and, going on? And and I would think that last night, too, is kind of just like a sh- I mean, a lot of people are saying like, hey, primetime game, Monday night football, and this guy who didn't even get to fucking practice all week and hasn't ever taken a snap in the NFL, like, this guy can't be playing quarterback in week 16 if these other guys are vaccinated, they feel okay, they are available, because it is going to happen. Like, they can push it off and say whatever, but we're staring down the barrel of Super, super wild, wild Card, card Weekend! weekend. And we have four starting quarterbacks not playing because they test positive for COVID, COVID the week of. Hey, Super Wild Card Weekend, by the way, is about to be oh, a same game. Can't wait. Extravaganza. Oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, they are... We just had a conversation with Fando earlier today about some things that are happening. The same game parlay thing they're setting up for a wild card weekend is pretty tasty. It's a bad business move by them. Yeah. But I it's love it. We love it. Uh-huh. Hey, we love to hear those types of things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's incredible. Oh, we gotta take them. <laughs> Anyways, even um, if you don't, too. Super Wild Card Weekend, you know. Put that graphic back up of those starting quarterbacks. No offense to any of these quarterbacks, please. Okay? Don't mean to. No. But in a world that revolves around salaries being known. Mm-hmm. And us understanding who is these guys, all great players. Oh, yeah. These guys play in your pickup uh, football game, your backyard football game. They are killing you. Every Mike Glennon is running around you and through you oh, yeah. in your pickup football game. Make okay? it rain out there. He would not only on offense, on defense, oh, he yeah. probably has ten picks. <laughs> yeah. He's probably I'm yeah. just I'm just that's saying that's an accurate depiction of how big he is compared to other quarterbacks. Bingo, too. that's why he's at the top, by the way. Sky Cam is <laughs> at the top. Josh Johnson is better than you ever were oh. at football. Better than me. Better than like I'm not saying that these guys are not great football players, but there is no way that this is what the NFL could have envisioned, and let's remember, although football is a sport in a game, the NFL is a business. That's right. And uh, I can almost hear the chatter amongst the owner's Zoom call right oh, now. Yeah. They, they, did you see the graphic that McAfee put up there? Fuck. Look at this fucking graphic. <laughs> yeah. Like, that is happening right now amongst those bazillionaires who live in a different world than everybody else, but somehow always have the public's approval in any labor dispute. But in this particular case, they have to be looking at the same thing we're looking at. And I'm staring, like Darius Leonard not playing two games right now. Massive. Huge. He is a fucking game record. He's a defensive player of the year conversation in Indiana. Defensive captain. Yeah, he is him out for two games. Hey, once again, his decision, right? He was Mm -hmm. told, if you're not vaccinated, you get it. I'm just saying that this is his decision. He's doing it. But also, with other decisions that are being made, is there not an adjustment that could be made in these leagues? And the NFL's not the only ones. 
I mean, the NHL shut down. Uh-huh. Yeah. The NBA, I think, was Canceled moving games. so many games. They're not the only ones. You know, like everything is kind of getting in there. College but, football right now. Like, teams dropping out of bowl games yeah. left and right. And, and I don't want to knock on any of those bowl games or the NHL or the NBA. But right now, for the biggest league, is their most important time. Yeah. Okay, so this is October for the MLB. Yeah. This is December, January for the NFL. They're the ones that are in their most important time, and they're the biggest. So if they make any decisions, it'll ripple down to everybody. Yep. literally everybody else will happen. And it's like, what are they going to do? Because the CDC is making moves. They're sending memos out from 10 to 5. And then all of a sudden, Twitter's like, no, no, no. They're only doing that because the CEO told them. It's like, so what? So we're supposed to trust the, the doctors and the science. Okay, interesting. But then when the collective group of doctors and scientists put out their thing, no, no, no. They're listening to somebody that isn't. Oh. So, so how come they're not listening to each other? Well, the, I mean, those people on Twitter who weren't happy with it going from 10 to 5 days are the people that want to see it go from 10 to 21 days. Okay. All right. That's, I mean, that is, that is a broad brush. I mean, everybody just cares about everybody so much. You know, that's yeah. what I think. Everybody cares about everybody so much. But there is, as a sports stooge, which is what I am, it is hard to keep up with all the shit that's happening in the real world. Out Too there. much. It is very hard. And we're in the middle of it, once mm-hmm. again, because NFL show. And if, as the NFL goes, everybody else will go. Yeah. And obviously, Aaron is a massive part of this entire conversation. But this is real. The coming out of this, and I'm, by the way, COVID's still a thing. Okay? Always will be. You beat it. I'm a survivor. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Vaccinated. 104 and a half degree fever. Survived. Mm-hmm. Congrats. Thank you. Congrats to you as well, Congrats, congrats, guys. Guys. Congrats, congrats, congrats. You guys did it. Congrats to you, Nick. Hey, congrats, Nick. Congrats, congrats Nick. Nick. Congrats to you, Gump. Hey, congrats, Gump. Congrats, 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 congrats to you, Mitt. Hey, boy, Mitt. Congrats, Hi, Mitt. Hi, Mitt. <laughs> He's on a microphone, so it kind of ends there. But Zito, Zito congratulations. People don't want to congratulate that kid. Now, do not say that COVID is comparable to gout. You are saying very dangerous things. I saw the COVID toe. Well, you know, the COVID is an interesting thing as well because we were trending alongside that for a while. And yeah. I mean, this whole entire banana situation, yeah. getting into it, world stoppage. I guess now we're learning that in that Utah game, when the public service announcement was made by the public address announcer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, attention, everybody. The uh, game's supposed to tip off in about four or five minutes. I don't know if you've heard, though. We need everybody to exit and evacuate this arena. What? You are in no harm or there is no reason to panic, but everybody needs to get out of here within the next 90 to 120 seconds. <laughs> Jesus! Once again, do not panic, but please get the fuck out of here. That started this entire thing. Oh, yeah. In that moment, I guess we're learning now, NBA players thought there was a potential shooter. Oh, yeah, active shooter. An active shooter that Damn. was potentially there because I guess the night before something happened where they weren't aware of COVID potentially shutting down games that night. So some people in the NBA, and I think more specifically some NBA people that were at that building, thought there was like an active shooter situation or something going yeah, on. Yeah, they were at a movie theater a couple days before and there was a shooter in the area. So like they thought it carried on into the game as well. So it's just it's like uh, nobody could have expected what was it. No, actually it's getting shut down because there is a virus about to come. Mm-hmm. Oh. And then the world shuts down. Yeah. Holy shit. How? Why? What's going on here? Continue to go. This two-week thing 
became a now two-year thing at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Then it became a month, then six months, then holy shit, then here we go. And as we continue to grow on, we said, hey, getting into this was insane, obviously. Getting out of this is also going to be a problem because I think, what, 21 days creates a habit, right? Yeah. yeah. And let alone now everybody's smarter than everybody because everybody has so much information at the tip of their fingers. And now they have nothing else to do but search the internet and learn everything or reaffirm however they feel about whatever they feel because no matter how you feel on the internet you can find somebody that feels the same exact way as you because although there are billions and billions of people on earth at some point there are people that are going to agree with you and you're going to find those people on the internet and then you're going to get locked into your feelings even more and then boom 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 it's this downwards not downward i'm sorry because I'm not necessarily down. A lot of people feel a lot better about themselves now than ever. This is spiral deeper and deeper into this thing. And then we all thought to ourselves, I think naturally, how the fuck are we going to get out of this? Uh How are we going to get out of this particular human social experiment that is happening across the entire world? And whenever, you know, things were loosened up a little bit, some people were scared to death to go outside. Some people were sprinting outside ready to do it. Then there were some things that happened where all parties came together and were walking through the streets of every single city in beautiful harmony. Our country and people were more together than they had ever been, I feel like. Honestly, as somebody that just observes and reports, I have friends in every single spectrum. It felt like everybody was on the same page in every single city. It was a beautiful thing. The internet seemed to kind of connect everybody. Here we go. Then obviously, things got political and everybody started dividing and everything started getting distracted and everybody started hating each other again. So much so that they got deeper and deeper into their spirals. And then you had to re-ask yourself, how are we going to move along from this? And here we are in that point, potentially, potentially in that point of reintroducing life post the COVID lockdown. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be a lot of people that aren't going to be comfortable. And this is going to be an absolute fucking dogfight. And I think we're just here uh, to kind of watch as we go and hope that our teams have all of our star players. Well, and with the owners, like, I, I'm sure, like, really, what, what else do they need to say with these guys missing games? It's like, hey, guess what? Like, the, the amount of people in the stadium, like, that's not going down. They're still going to sell out these fucking arenas. And how many of those people are asymptomatic that are just perpetuating the spread of whatever we got going? Like, you can't continue to fill the stadiums when you got players on your team where people are showing up to watch and they feel okay, like... Those guys, then, those guys are going to have to play at some point. Otherwise, yeah, they're going to need like. And then listen, and now we got some doctors, I think from the NFL, saying asymptomatic players actually aren't spreading the thing. Yep. And then it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not what's being said outside the world. And then once again, everybody's just reaffirming their stance, listening to the people that they that say what they want to hear. And it's like, how do we ever get out of this? And are we ever going to get out we of this? We just go back to uh, pretend things are normal. I mean, I was down there in Florida in the middle of that thing. We were down yeah. there. Yeah, oh, yeah, and block parties. It was a block right? party, yeah. yeah. They seemed like, happy, right? They were having a good time, but the numbers say, yeah. hey, the numbers say, can't have fun, though, if people are dying, which, valid. Yeah, but valid, pretty valid. But at this point, I just don't know how we get the hell out of it. And I, Ian, no offense to Ian Book. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. I don't want Ian Book to feel any offense to this. 
because he doesn't deserve it. He, I mean, he didn't even get to practice with his goddamn team, yeah. so it's not didn't give him any chance. That's the highest level of football, by the way. I assume they're saying that a lot. I assume as they're walking down the field, Ian Book was thinking to himself, like, this is how my first shot in the NFL, of course. Mm-hmm. This is everything I've worked for my entire yeah. life. I get a chance to do it. Now he's happy for the opportunity. He's probably grateful and thankful for the opportunity. But I, could I have at least played catch with my guys Maybe. before I <laughs> go out? Third football in two weeks. On yeah. Monday Night Football in the biggest stage? I mean, it's just. And they're still in the playoff hunt. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. You know, the, the owners hated that graphic. We didn't like seeing that graphic. How do you think, like, Trubisky and Mariota – uh, Gardner, and Gardner, feel mm-hmm. looking at those players who are or those quarterbacks who are getting a chance when they've played good football in their career and they're looking for their Tannehill opportunity on this next team and they're watching these guys fucking play. Well, I think it's funny because your immediate thought is, oh, just like soccer, they should be you should be able to loan a player. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like uh, last night the Saints should have been able to call the Raiders and say, hey, can we get can we get Mariota for a night? He knows the offense. Just as good as our guy that's been here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can we get him for one night? One night we'll pay you and all that. But then you think having a great backup is a part of roster strategy yes. because people are going to get hurt, especially in this COVID thing. There's a good reason to have a great backup, and uh, there ain't no way anybody in the NFL would ever do it. I, soccer's awesome, by the way. Yeah. Uh, we paid this guy a bunch of money. Turns out you stink. Get the yeah, fuck out of here. You can take him for a Go couple months. Yeah, get Fucking babysit this guy. Jesus. We don't want to see him around the club, dude. We're trying to eat biscuits with the owner. And we're yeah. trying to believe it. we got to see this slappy who stinks. Get out of here on loan. That's crazy mm-hmm. that they do that, especially if the player gets hurt. But it is. You're right. You think about those guys who, you know, haven't really got their full shot, they say. Yeah. Now, a lot of those guys, I guess, Mariota had a full shot in Tennessee, mm-hmm. trying to get the rebirth. The Tannehill thing is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Tannehill actually did that to Mariota. Remember a couple years ago, Mar- Mariota re-upped with the Raiders, right, didn't mm-hmm. he? Yeah. Because yeah, I thought he was going to have a pretty fruitful free agency yeah, yeah. after that one performance on Thursday Night Football when we thought Derek mm-hmm. Carr was Last dead year. because his groin appeared yeah. to pop off of his bone mm-hmm. shot. in the middle of a Thursday Night Football game in front in that beautiful empty stadium. Oh, yeah. Uh, gorgeous. Oh, yeah. It was beautiful empty stadium. Those seats. There. And he came out and threw a dime to Waller. Mm-hmm. And had oh. like a 60-yard run or something uh-huh. like that. I was like, oh shit, this dude's a guy all of a sudden. He, Tannehill got him out. Now he's about to do the Wally Pip situation with Carr who just blew his groin out and then he re-upped with the Raiders for like four million bucks or something. Yeah, he like, took yeah. less money I think. But he runs a read option like every other game and it is sweet. <laughs> hey, you got him part of it. Richie Bisaccia who's uh-huh. still in uh-huh. the playoff hunt by the way. Yeah, that's right. Derek Carr's still playing very good football even after that groin situation we thought he had on Thursday Night Football. They're still in it somehow. They are still in. I used to think about that, by the way, you know, because uh, I'll see some punters around the NFL get a chance to kick. And they have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. I'm like, of course, Vinatieri is just the Iron Man, the guy who never fucking mm-hmm. miss anything. Mm-hmm. Middle of the game, maybe a warm up. Zane Gonzalez gets yeah. Yeah. something yeah. out in the yeah. warm ups. It would have been like that would have been a pretty cool day to get a chance to Make do that. Make four field goals. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. What's he doing? House free agency <laughs> going. Record. Give me like a twenty some yard or two, yep. a thirty yard, uh-huh. like just mm-hmm. easy little chip shots. And then forever, it's like, oh. Yeah, I could. I perfect. Actually, I don't need to do it anymore. Punters are much more beloved by everybody. Kickers can be hated by people, <laughs> but I just want to let everybody know that. But instead, Vinatieri was there, and I got to learn from him. So Mariota and them probably have, you know, a little bit of an indifferent feeling because they're in a much better place. But still, geez, Louise, dude, that graphic is damning, mm-hmm. and I think protocols are going to be changing. Let's talk about other things going on around the NFL. Pete Carroll said something that was very interesting for me, and I think Seahawks fans will find it fascinating as well. The NFL as a whole was kind of shook up a little bit this offseason whenever Russell Wilson came out 
I mean, a little bounce around there from Foxy. Sorry. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, Foxy's really fast. Fingies. He oh, is. Yeah. He's on it. Yeah. Around. I mean, let's go. Two, three coffees. One. <laughs> Four coffees. One. Every day. Yeah, I get him going. Right. He was driving into work. I saw him. Uh, we've been talking about Foxy's caffeine coffee addiction for some time. Yeah. That's oh, disgusting. Yeah. Foxy, how old are you? 27. So he's been doing it since what? 24 at this point now. Oh, 25. Before that, 21 yeah. maybe. 20, yeah, I don't know what 19. he was doing before he got here, but I do know well, that Michigan State. Let's he, assume. Well, oh, we don't know, exactly. Oh, we don't know what was going coffee. on there, but once he got here, it was very apparent. Like, hey, you're drinking coffee like a 90 year old dude. <laughs> like, you, you, <laughs> you should not be Just this young. Constantly battling, falling asleep. Yeah, what is the deal? <laughs> I was drinking decaf the other day too. No, no, what? no oh, just for yet. the just for the flavor, but him. He said, no, I only I have coffee in the morning. You see me there, coffee during the show, and then coffee after. It's just my routine. Get off me. I was driving in the other day. He was behind me. That guy was literally picking up yeah, his second thermos. coffee. Yeah, yeah. Big yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah. He was putting them yeah. both down. Yeah, I'm really at the point where if I don't drink my coffee, like, actually don't talk to me because I'm very grumpy. Oh, you're a mug now. Yeah, you're yeah, you're like, you are those, yeah. if I haven't uh, had yeah, my yeah, coffee, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yet. <laughs> you are a meme. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Bro, he's got that warmer. Oh, yeah. The uh, hand warmers to speak. He's got that. What? The hand warmer stinks. Well, right now his finger's it. a little bit too warm, maybe. Maybe we dial it back because yeah. we have had a little bit of a heat wave here. Maybe turn yeah. down the heat. Because <laughs> right, yeah. right. you got that caffeine in those fingers. <laughs> throw it out. Just throw out the heat warmer. No, you uh, can't, heat warmer's awesome. Yeah, can't knock the heat warmer. It's, I mean. I didn't know it existed. It's yeah. pretty cool. He's cooking his computer, but it also <laughs> yeah, keeps his hands warm, That's right. <laughs> which is amazing. But anyways, let's get back to what Pete Carroll said. Uh, you can knock the hand warmer if you're preaching grit from Detroit and oh, you're still sitting yeah. inside. Yeah, remember the raised in the cold. No, but yeah. remember, remember, just because you're from the cold doesn't mean you can't combat it. Thank People, you. That means I know the cold more than all of you guys. So it, I it's warm I, in the office. We're not living in a 30-degree office yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. Give me a break. It is warm in the office. Is he more than all of us? Like all of us are from the south or something? Well, that's cold, To Foxy's We're all from cold. We get a new we get a new coach or something, and we be playing a cold game, and they make some like side remarks to me, like, "Oh, you're from Pittsburgh, went to West Virginia, you love the cold." It's like, no, I don't. No, no, <laughs> absolutely not. No, I don't love the cold. I, deal with I mean, I know it exists, yeah, and you kind of got to deal with it, but that doesn't mean I love it. No, Foxy is taking that to another level with the hand warmer. My fingers are cool. Yeah, he gets this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. adapting. You're wearing a sweatshirt today, Connor. Same idea. I'm trying to rep the brand, bro. You got a problem? Where's your for the brand sweatshirt? What's up with your stupid plain green? Loser. Hey, I do believe that is uh, off the Yeezy brand, huh? A little bit of oh, yeah. Well, actually, of course, it's from H&M. Oh, oh look at that. Oh, oh, so no. gritty from Detroit. I got my hand warmer in hey, my like H&M sweatshirt. I don't know. We, we all work on the internet, but we all act like we're steel workers here. <laughs> <laughs> in this office. If you listen to this show and you didn't see us, you'd be like, wow, these guys are all steel workers. <laughs> Who's acting? So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Huh? That was life, my friend. Thank 15 you. years. Yeah. Never laid brick, Fox. You know, some of us could be. Dude. Anyways, let's get to a break, huh? <laughs> hey, real no, quick, Carroll. Yeah, we'll get to it on the other side. Fox, I mean, Fox was doing a full shuffle through his computer on the screen. Yeah, I was. It's because his fingers are warm. <laughs> Maybe. Foxy, don't let him come after you for any of this. Oh, I don't care at all. Well, yeah. we need you to care. Right? Yeah, I mean, come on. Let's you care about care. your job. Okay. Jeez Louise. That's dude. why I have the heat warmer because I care so much about this job. Thank you. It's about performance. Oh, no, he's a kiss ass. <laughs> <laughs> Can't win. Can't win, can you, Foxy? Never. Well, uh, that's like, you're like the Red Wings. 
You know? Oh. Yeah. Last night, I actually thought to myself, Holy shit. Good idea, actually. If the Phoenix ties $400 million, uh-huh. I mean, I'm starting to do the math. Maybe some other business ventures we'll get into at higher altitudes as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably, what, four years away, really. At most. Potentially five years away. Let's get expansion. Let's let's buy the Red Wings out of Detroit. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh. Bring them to Indianapolis. Yeah. Indianapolis would be a great NHL oh, team. Oh, oh man. They love hockey. They Wayne really... Gretzky used to play here. The fuel sells out what? every night. Boom. How about that? See, it makes a lot of sense, though, that you want to buy <laughs> the most storied franchise in the NHL and bring them here. That makes a lot of sense. So I actually we, agree no, with we can't one. buy the Montreal Canadiens. I was going to say, the Golden Knights no. aren't for sale. Well, and the Penguins, they were once for yeah. sale. And Bruins Super Mario, the second greatest player of all time. Yeah. Anyways, buy the Red Wings, keep the Octopi, dude. You guys thrown unidentified aerial phenomenon Octopi mm-hmm. onto right. the damn ice. Exceptional creatures. They are. Slaughtering them. We're learning more about him. The only thing I knew about him in the past was, oh, if the Red Wings score three goals, yeah. somebody uh, has a hat trick. happened a lot. That's why you knew about it. Oh, the ice is slimy. That's what I do with tailgates before Red Wings games. They bring a live octopus, yeah. and they all beat it to death kill, with a baseball kill, bat. So kill, that if, you kill. know, they Holy score a hat trick later that night, they got something to toss onto the ice. Most I want to let you know, Foxy, yeah. that octopi, if you guys gave that the keys to the city, would be able to turn that whole place around. The fucking Lions would be winning games. That if the octopi that you guys were just tossing around, throwing on the ice, was given a little bit more control and a little bit more influence, probably turn the whole city around. But there you guys are, Red Wings. Fan. We never win. Let us throw this alien onto an incredibly hard surface. Yeah, but it's pretty sweet. You get the guy that waves it around and Jesus. he gets the crowd. So the octopi is sick. And then Come on. Save the octopi. Feeding them Little Caesar's pizza before they kill him. I mean, it's unbelievable. Might as well do it before. Anyways, let's go, Pens, dude. Gonna win a Stanley Cup. Nah, Bruins yeah. this year. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Nah. It's a bee's year. No Stoner's back. Nah, uh, you know. All right, on the other side, on we got it. some breaking news on Pete Carroll. <laughs> <laughs> Now that the world's opening back up, so many new thrills are on the horizon. Okay. And whether you've been in a relationship for years or just getting started, we're excited to get back out there and meet new people. Hell yeah. When the moment comes, it's not come too quick. Oh, (laughs) here we go. That is not what they had in their copy. Okay. <laughs> they should. That was, I think they're going in a different direction. So let's go back a sentence or two. Okay. Okay. When you, when the moment comes, you want to be ready. Hell That's yeah. true. Yeah. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction, Ooh. all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Once you take care of that, though, you get the Roman swipes. And guess what? Ha! Huh. Last a long time. Banging up, banging up, banging up. Yeah, it's yeah. Pete Alonzo at the all <laughs> yes. at the home run derby. That's right. Dangers. Downtown. Bingo. Hockey, er, population, you, dude. Hell yeah. Roman ready equals confidence. The confidence that you know you can rise to the occasion in the moment. We're looking at the Summer of Love 2021 version, and Roman wants to make sure you can participate in your way. Whether that be as a single person or a couple who would still rather stay in with each other, a U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you for free with two-day shipping. Okay. That's huge. Free? 
the shipping's free. Wow. I believe. Not the... Not the yeah, medication. Free no. two-day shipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, go to GetRoman.com slash McAfee today, and if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of ED treatment. Okay. That's G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N.com slash M-C-A-F-E-E. And if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of erectile dysfunction treatment. Make sure you're ready to have the confidence and control this summer. Roman ready. Joining us now is a survivor of COVID. Ooh. This man survived COVID. This man is the reigning, defending, undisputed MVP of the NFL. And on Christmas Day, he had a magical performance in which many records were broken as he beat the Cleveland Browns well, alongside his team, which seems to be tighter and better than they've ever been. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, dude, you look like a model. Shaved face, good lighting. Oh, my God. Who's this handsome guy? Hey, big thanks to you for the halo light, man. It's coming in handy. So, thank you, buddy. Hey, no problem. We, we were Looking s- good. Merry Christmas. Hope you guys, you and all the boys and their, your families had a great Christmas. Hope you enjoyed watching us as well. Well, thank you for the show you put on, obviously. I uh, hope you had an incredible holiday. I hope the trip afterwards and the experience after the game was fantastic. Um... The halo light is strictly because last year we were sick of you, you know, having to hold that thing. Yeah. And it looked like this is a guy's day off. And instead mm-hmm. he's holding this thing. So obviously the internet and influencers sent that thing. Up. Yeah, hands free, dude. Hands free. Hands free. Let's talk about what you've been doing with your hands. Hey, concerted effort by you to let Lambo know that you love them more so than ever? Or has this just been something that has been captured on film more than ever? I probably captured on film more than ever. I think I've been doing it for a number of years now. Uh, but there's something special. I mean, that walk off the field, most of the time I just kind of walk, you know, right through the tunnel, uh, you know, that's the south, the south end zone there, and, and uh, you know, give a little love to the to the fans there. But I just, this time, for whatever reason, I, I wanted to take in the whole 360, so I uh, spun around, and, and uh, that was special, man. That was, that was one of my favorite uh, walk-offs of the field that uh, I ever had Lambo. So a really, really special night. Well, I think all of Lambo was very appreciative. Have you felt the love from Packers fans? Because this offseason, now granted, you were kind of out of all of it, but there was so much contention around the situation business-wise between you and the Packers. And I think some Packers fans were even letting Ty know, like, stop sticking up for this guy, whatever the case. And then you have that 45-minute press conference to start this entire thing where you explain your side. And I think everybody's like, oh, this is almost like an adult in the room. Very thankful. Throughout the year, have you felt the Packers fans' support? And has it grown? Has it been any different after all the shit that happened and what the future could potentially look like with you and them? No, I don't think so. I, I think that you know there was obviously uh, slow news cycles in the summer, and you know with my silence about most of it, you know there was uh, room for people to fill in the blanks about huh. you know my mindset, what I was thinking. A lot of people talking for me. Uh, a lot of people like Ty, I think, backing me up and and kind of just saying, "Hey, let's just let's just pump the brakes here and slow down." There's going to be a conversation at some point, and let's not jump to any wild conclusions. Um, you know, even still, you know, with yourself and the other Yinzers, you know, there's been conversations about other teams and you know all these other different dialogues. But I will say, as much as anything this year, I think we've all learned, myself especially, how quickly the narratives can change. You know how when you when you come back, when you face adversity, when you stand up for what you believe in, when you speak the truth and keep talking 
and, and represent yourself, the narratives can change. And obviously, when you play good football, that narrative can change as well. The team has been playing unbelievable. Like, whenever you – now, obviously, record-breaking, 443-plus. Congrats. Congrats. Lazard made a hell of a play on that. Was the plan to go to Lazard the entire time? And did you have enough forethought to be like, okay, I'm going to throw 443 – to somebody other than Devontae so I can keep that ball, and then I'm going to throw, you know, 66 to Devontae and next time. And if that is the case, it is hysterical that that's how you view NFL games. Uh, that's definitely not the case. <laughs> uh, I was teasing Tay. I hit him on that go ball, and he, he kind of got tripped up where if he keeps his feet, maybe he scores, and that could have been the record breaker. But then he said, hey, it's better for both of us. We both get to keep our, our you know, our, yeah. our record-breaking footballs but but no I mean I said after the game the fun thing about this game is that the simplicity of it you know and, and you know because it you know it can be broken down com- in a complex fashion and, and there's so many different people who get paid to break down football um, often it can be seen as maybe more complex or intricate than it actually is and in situations like the other night breaking the record it was a base player that I learned you know one of the first days I was in Green Bay learning the West Coast offense where it's a three-by-one, and, and two and three both run stick routes, kind of five-yard outs, and the guy on the outside runs a clear out. And that was the play. I hit number two, Lazard, based on the coverage. They were kind of doubling number three, um, and, you know, he made a nice uh, nice dive for the pylon, uh, and, and kind of the rest was, was the magic of the moment. Hey, really clean, you know, really clean between you and him before the ball exchange. Have we talked about what that is? Is that you and Lazard's thing? What is this? Is just- yeah, this is this is you know I'm wearing rocking his sweatshirt, his ATT at the top, uh, his brand. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of our guys and guys around the league, you know, have their own clothing line, their own uh, you know brand or whatever. And, and I love supporting the guys. I'm on this show wearing a big Bob, Bob Tanyan. Uh, construction with his his family construction sweatshirts and actually he gave me a, another hat and a sweatshirt for Christmas I'll probably rock one of these weeks as well but but uh, I'm rocking this because I love Alan and he obviously you know got the record breaker touchdown for us as well so um, but yeah he likes to do the old uh, make the triangle with the uh, you know with the the, four, the the pointer and the thumb there and that's kind of been our celebration this year. You and Lazard's relationship has built, uh, you know, kind of grown. We've seen it. And there's a lot of talk about, you know, Aaron has to trust them and great quarterbacks have to be able to trust their wide receiver. And there is no relationship in the NFL better than you and Devontae. So Devontae getting that record. And you said uh, he's the best football player you've ever played with. Connor said, whoa, kind of a shot at A.J. Hawk. I mean, that is obviously what Connor (laughs) thinks there. Is that back shoulder to Devontae whenever, however, against anybody? Is that what it feels like? because there was a couple of throws. It was like, there is nothing anybody on the Browns could do. There, there was literally nothing. Is that just because of the years and years of reps, or what do you think it is? Is that why AJ's not on the on the broadcast today? Because <laughs> he's just about that comment. He's yeah, dude, boycotting he, the show. He actually texted Connor to bring it up because yeah. it would be bad for his brain to bring it up himself. So he said, fucking <laughs> let Connor say this, and then Pat break the news to Aaron, and then I'll be back tomorrow. I'll get over it, I guess. Like, he beat COVID, by the way. Hey, yeah. Congrats to him. He beat COVID. Yeah, He's doing thing, but yeah, what is, what is it about your connection with Devontae, you think, that makes it so special? Because that is just an any time. Yeah, I think it – and we don't know what plays are being called, but it looks like there's a lot of just like, ah, fuck it, Devontae. Devonte, and you guys have that ability to do it. What makes it so special? You think why and how? Well, it's a combination of his incredible ability within the concepts, and then his creativity outside of 
of kind of the paper football, the football that's, uh, you know, that, that's the, not the real football, the football that's kind of drawn on paper when you install plays. And then there's the, the creativity that he adds to certain concepts. And it's him and I just being on the same page. Uh, the back shoulder run solution that we hit goes back to a conversation three plays earlier where he, he said, hey, I think I can get this run solution on him because he's playing off coverage on me. Uh, I called a run play in that situation. He had a run solution on, and uh, he he took the fade. And the, the, the cool thing is talking to him afterwards, uh, him and I just being on the same page uh, intuitively, he said, I knew you were coming my way. Oh, that's awesome. And that's something that, you know, we haven't hit that specific throw since I think you got to go back to uh, 17 or 18 at Minnesota uh, against uh, Xavier Rhodes. I hit him on a similar thing. I didn't that ball in that game was a more difficult catch. He kind of caught it behind his body and got it in the end zone. It was a primetime game. might have been the first time uh, that the U.S. Bank opened. Um, and so we haven't hit that specific type of throw since then. But he just knew in the moment for whatever reason, and I kind of was coming to him the entire way. The ball was coming his way. But the touchdown that he had when they brought empty pressure was probably the play that I enjoy the most because I've had great relationships with receivers on the field. Um, over the years, and, and Jordy always felt like I could throw too blindly, you know, just because I knew exactly where he was going to be. And Randall and I were able to, to mind meld in that way where I could just look at him and he would know exactly what I wanted. I'd give him a subtle signal that might be not a specific thing to do, and he would run exactly what I was hoping he would do. And in that situation, as Devontae down there on the goal line, uh, they brought empty pressure. And before the snap, I was looking over him, and he had – uh, a route that we call against two high safeties where you kind of attack the mic and then climb. And it's a it's a route that everybody around the league runs. We called it a trail for a long time. Now it's called a Joe in this offense. And I looked at him, and based on the coverage, running that route wouldn't have worked uh, because if he had inside released, uh, his defender could just squeeze down because it was man-to-man empty. He was playing inside leverage, and it would have been a dead route. And I almost signaled him something that I wanted. But I kind of looked over at him. And he looked at me, and just in that moment, I knew exactly what he was going to do and that there was absolutely no need to cloud any of our judgments and give him a signal. And sure enough, he you know, freelanced on his own, went up, made a move on the guy, and it was a, you know, it looks like an easy touchdown pass where there's so much mentally going on before the snap, and there's so many years of banked reps and trust that goes into that specific split-second decision to not signal anything Whatever look that he was giving me was made me feel completely confident that he was going to do exactly what he did. And, you know, then you have what looks like a really easy touchdown that actually goes back to years and years and years of conversations and plays in the field and banking those memories in your mind in order for him to make that decision and me to trust he was going to do that. Isn't that like the perfect depiction of what that record is, though? You know, it's almost like the 66th touchdown being you two looking at each other and sending mental vibes to each other. And then for the record breaker, for the most touchdowns between a quarterback and a receiver in Packer history, or maybe I don't I don't know all the records. I should have done more due diligence. We're learning every single day. I don't do enough. But that's like a perfect depiction, isn't it, of what you and Devontae are? And is that why? You know, the intricacies of that play, you just broke down. Like, well, he, he hits the mic, then he climbs, and there's zero. It's covered two. We look at each other. Every single play is like that for you? Is it every single play there's always some sort of dissect happening? And is that the difference between guys like you and guys that play 
one year, two years of bad football. You think that is like the difference level between the uh, in t- uh, football IQ of the quarterbacks, the greats, and then the ones that don't really make it? I mean, I think there's definitely something to that. I think uh, the guys that can separate themselves are guys who can either make subtle adjustments or make things work in the moment that might not be exactly how it's drawn on the paper or how it's supposed to go. I think when you run robotic systems or have players who can only run what I call paper football, like what it looks like on paper, you're limited in the uh, the ability of your play caller to match up the call with a defensive call. And I think some of the best play cars have been able to do it for a long time and, and don't need a lot of adjustments. But there's time and a place, and that's what I always talked about, and that's what I was really saying when Matt came in, and there was all that hullabaloo about uh, you know, uh, audibles and all this other BS. And I just said, when you have years of experience and bank reps and muscle memory and an incredible recall, why would you not want to use that in those moments to take a play that's an okay play and make it a great play? To take a play that might be a throwaway on paper football and turn it to a touchdown and a, and a tide-turning play. And I think the best players are able to to make those subtle adjustments and to have those conversations. And, and I really feel like that's that's where you win football games. And that's where those plays come up. It's not in the moment or freelancing or go outside the system. It's that we've had conversations about specific situations over the years and what type of route would work best in those situations. And Devante and the best players I've had will actually initiate conversation and say, hey, if we get this situation a la the Minnesota game a few weeks ago yeah. when they brought empty pressure in that situation, and he did something that I hadn't seen before. He did a double move from the slot and went down the sidelines. I kind of stutter-stepped Everson and threw it to the corner and hit him for a touchdown to pull us back even in that game. It's those conversations that goes back you know, to, uh, months, even years at times, and the ability to recall those in the moment when you see a specific look. And that takes you from being a robotic paper football player to being someone who can instinctually make the proper plays uh, in those uh, important moments. When you were audibling, you know, and there was a narrative that Mark Murphy came out and said, which has been debunked by you and many others, but there was a narrative that Mark Murphy told you not to be a problem when LaFleur was brought in. And that built even more into the narrative that uh, Aaron is going to be a problem with this young coach and there is this whole thing. So whenever you were making audibles, people were like, oh, Aaron doesn't trust this guy. Aaron doesn't like this guy. Aaron thinks he's smarter than this guy. And I think benefit of making a good coach, a great coach, play caller, is LaFleur seems like, and I might be wrong from reading this outside, very successful start to his head coaching career, record-breaking. And then the conversation amongst other people goes, well, if he didn't have Aaron, you know, what would it be? And that's a valid conversation that people can have forever and they will have forever. But I think LaFleur's ability to work alongside of you has made this whole thing go, right? And that's a talent in of itself. Don't you think that doesn't get credited enough? Yeah, but I mean, to his defense, I think it, it's both of us. It's, it's us learning to work with each other. Uh, he didn't need to just a, adjust to me and my personality and my my way of playing. I had to adjust to his scheme and his system and his way of calling plays. And that's the beauty when a play caller and quarterback get on the same page. And, yeah, I mean, Matt has, has won 38 uh, games in his first three years, was ties to George Seifert. Uh, Matt, you know, wouldn't probably want me to say this but because he doesn't really get into these type of things, but – for him to not be mentioned in Coach of the Year conversations to me, and maybe he's, he's starting to get a little bit, I think is disservice to him. Uh-huh. Um, you know, great coaches have great players as well, but great coaches can still be great coaches without great players. And 
you know, when you have great coaches and great players combining, you can do something special. And we won 13 games the first two years. And, you know, we've won 12 so far this year with two games to go. And Matt's ability to adjust uh, for sure has been a big part of that. The other part that, that, that he does well is, is he delegates. And I think every great head coach has to delegate and collaborate. Uh, when you do that, you empower people. And when you empower people, you empower your assistant coaches. Everybody is made better because of that. And he's empowered all his assistant coaches to give presentations week to week, to own their rooms, to own specific parts of the game plan, whether it's Getsy doing third down, Steno and Buckus doing a run game, Hackett doing the, the, uh, the gold zone, as he calls it, uh, Jason Vrabel to do the, uh, the two-minute, Justin Alton doing the doing the short yardage uh, and, uh, and goal line with Ben Mac or with Ben Sermons. Um, you have to empower these guys, and when you do that, you create an incredible collaborative environment where everybody feels like their opinion matters. They matter. Their coaching philosophy, their focus, their weekly preparation matters, and the entire whole is elevated by the ability to not just be a dictator and say it's my way that goes, and I have to have a hand in everything, otherwise. You know, I'm 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 not, uh, you know, I'm not okay with this. And and, and and he's created an environment with a lot of good collaboration, great conversations, and, and guys feel empowered in their roles. And and I think it's it's really showed up in the way they've coached their players, and the way they get their players prepared. That's a great leadership philosophy because if people stay invested, they'll continue to give their best. But if they work and work and work, and then it's not it listened to, then there's an immediate conversation amongst themselves. Well, what the fuck am I doing all this? It never gets listened to. To hear a guy actually say, hey, I want people's ideas and then implement them is much different than people are like, hey, it's a collaborative effort. And then whenever it happens, you know, everybody needs to get the fuck out of here. Let's talk about LaFleur because you're right. He isn't being talked about for coach of the year at all. The only conversation about him is his record, how good he is. And then it's kind of skipped over to everybody else. And I think it's because of how good of a football player you are. So I think it's a massive compliment to you, but in detriment to LaFleur. And you said LaFleur doesn't give a damn. He is still a young head coach. who's trying to find his way through these things. For instance, last year, the season ended with a field goal decision. Right on a fourth down that everybody talked about. Oh, this is a guy not trusting Aaron. Why would you not give the ball to the best player in football? It's the biggest moment. You kick a field goal. It's over. Now it feels like last week or two weeks ago, he came up to you and said, what do you want to do? And you said, uh, let's kick it to go up two scores. Crosby comes out, makes the kick. Feels like the operation is better, by the way. I'm not behind the scenes. Snap hold seems to be much better for Crosby. That's good for him. Special teams also showed up. Good news for them. This past week, first drive, own 34, fourth and one. You guys go for it. Is that just like a tone setter? Is that something you know going into the game you're going to be very aggressive? Is it feeling it out in there? How does that whole thing go? Yeah, I mean, I looked over and, and was thinking he was going to send the punt team out, to be honest. And he said, no, we're going for it. Now, the thing is, we'd love, we love everything. everybody loved that fourth and one play. Um, bringing Lazard down, faking kind of action, opening action away and toss out to Jonesy on the edge. With a blocker, all he had to do was outrun uh, the end. So if there's any type of close on the backside, you know, we obviously felt good about Aaron getting the edge and being able to get a yard. So I love that call uh, in the moment. I, I love the, uh, you know, I don't know who came up with that play, and that's kind of what I was talking about before, whether that was a, uh, you know, Sermon's call or Justin Outen or or Steno or, or Hackett or even Matt. But the call itself I thought was absolutely genius, the play call. And then the fact to go for it, I loved it. You know, like it's – 
we need to be aggressive. I think we could have been more aggressive at times in the second half as well. Like, let's put yeah. let's put teams away. Hey, that's you know? a big deal, Aaron. Hey, that's a big deal. Those games are getting close. Is that is that something you guys are thinking about, or is it just you feel I like you think, – You know, I think it was a good learning experience for us. Um, you know, our defense came up with four turnovers. We scored on three of them. Um, obviously, the last one was the, was the one that shut it out. We had some opportunities for some other ones. But, but offensively, you know, I think we need to – do a better job of closing the game out. We had a nice first half. Um, what hurt us was, uh, you know, we ran the end around our second possession. We had a six-minute possession. They had an eight-minute possession. We got the ball back with a minute left uh, in the third quarter, ran an end around, lost 10 yards. That drive was a moot drive. We had an injury at left tackle. We run the ball three times and punt. Those two drives right there are opportunities to kind of put the game away, and I think that's good learning experience for us on on, hey, let's, you know, we were throwing the ball well. Uh, we blocked them up. We had no sacks in the game. Miles Garrett, to his credit, was out there playing, but he was playing on one leg. You know, he's still an absolute menace. But we were blocking him up pretty good up front. Devontae was having a huge game. You know, maybe let's uh, let's put the hammer down, you know, and, and, and finish that thing off next time. Nailed it, by the way. Mm-hmm. Did Don, do you feel good about it? I do. I do. You got your gutchies on today or what? <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I do know that I got uh, I got these Air Forces on because they make me taller. And they're Dior. Oh, who's rich all of a sudden? I am. Got you the underwear. I don't know what that is. I, I do wear underwear, though. And I, to be honest, you just taught me something about Pittsburgh, which will stir an entire conversation, I assume, once again. And uh, we will have to get to that in the future. But I do enjoy... Like the self-awareness from the team. Like, hey, we, we can't be letting these games get as close as they're getting. It's been happening a couple of times, and maybe that's what bit you in the ass before. Does it feel like this team's better, closer than the last couple of years? Because it, it looks like it from outside in. It looks like you guys are closer, tighter than you've ever been. Obviously, the Bakhtiari sucks. The big draft's got to be coming back at some point. That captivated the entire internet. Uh, it was beautiful. Very well done. Uh, Ty, nobody, asked, nobody asked me about it, though. Why? Why? Why'd you do it? I, I, I was so disappointed about it. I'm glad. I'm glad you brought it up on the show. I, uh, Here we go. That was part of a uh, you know a Christmas present from the Bakhtiaris. Dave, in his uh, you know in his trolling uh, ways, said you won't wear those on game day. I said, <laughs> Yeah, I will. He said, You'll get fined. I said, Maybe. I said, But you'll pay my fine, right? He said, yeah, <laughs> sure. But he didn't think I was going to wear them, so I put them on a pregame. And I walked in the training room and saw him. He was getting some treatment. I pointed down on my socks. I said, hey, you see this? Now, I was fully 100% prepared. If things didn't go in the first half, I was going to take those things off. <laughs> but, you know, I threw three touchdowns in the first half. We got rid of the two records we wanted to break. So I felt pretty good about rocking them in the second half. And to be honest, though, I mean, from a friendship standpoint, and, and this is what I wanted to say if somebody asked me about it. I also wore them. Not just I love Dave, and he's a troll, but I wanted Dave to be out there with me. Like from a sentimental standpoint, he's been such an important part of, of my success, and he's been such a rocket left tackle for so long. Uh, it felt good having those on one because it's something different, and Dave didn't think I would do it. But two, because I really care about Dave a lot, and and it was it felt like a, he was out there with me on the field, even though he hasn't played this year. But I wanted him out there with me when uh, when I broke the record. Well, that's uh, incredible. And by the way, that that type of shit, you know, 
doesn't happen everywhere. Like that type of camaraderie and bond is something that propels you to greatness. So much so the tie, because AJ's not here, actually wore AJ Hawk socks today. You know what I mean? He actually wore the AJ Hawk socks because, Ty, you wanted AJ to be here with us today. Yeah, here in spirit. Yeah, he is. He's here in spirit right here on uh, on his shin. Mm-hmm. Same company, by the way, that did your Bakhtiari socks. Sent us 100 of them to this office, and then on the top said, open before today's show. And I'm like, well, don't tell me what to fucking do, first of all. But I did I did open it up, and they were a very nice company, classy company. AJ's here in spirit. For you, though, it was immediately noticeable. We didn't know what was on there, but it was like, oh, did he spat his? Because it's a different look for you. know, It was a much different look. Did you like the look? A little bit more dynamic look for you. I think it kind of darkened up down there, looked like you were spatted a little bit. Are you going to continue to do this uh, type of thing? No, I don't think so. I think that's a one-time thing, right, for off. sure. I feel like my look, and I've gotten, I mean, over the years, a lot of my teammates have, you know, trolled me about, uh, you know, swag and what swag actually, Essence. you know, is and looks like and, and how, you know, my uniform, you know, with the loose sleeves and, you know, you know, single chin strap, you know, it might not be the best look, but, you know, I, I, this is my look. I've owned it for a long time, and I'm going to keep keep rocking it. And, I look forward to maybe bringing the turtleneck back if the weather. The weather oh yeah, will do. true swag is you're owning your inner essence. A wise man once said. You know, um, wise man also has said a lot of things about the current world we're in. You know, and wise man, current MVP of the NFL, uh, big brain on you. You you mentioned it. I think at this point in your life, you have realized it. I don't know how long it maybe took for you to accept that you just have a big ass brain and you're going to view the world differently and. Usually the people that are at the top of their professions, probably a little bit different thinking than everybody else to begin with, should always be heard and listened to because there's a reason behind everything. Right now, Carson Wentz just ended up on the COVID list. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's all right. It's okay. I mean, very important time of uh, the season right now. It's okay. I mean, it's completely okay for the entire city of Indianapolis, oh, the yeah. state of Indiana. Yeah. Colts, I mean, the whole thing. But, but with this new Omicron variant and how it's going with CDC changing their guidelines from 10 to 5 days, why'd they change it? Oh, now everybody's upset. Who knows, whatever the case is. Do you feel like the NFL is going to have to adjust the protocols? Do you think they're going to, going into the most important games in the season in the biggest league with a lot on the line still? The most teams are still in this thing. As you're in there, do you even think about that or do you just try have to kind of block that all out? Well, I don't think you you want to or can necessarily block it all out. I'm in a different uh, space though because I had COVID. We know got yeah. you know got better quickly, obviously, and then didn't have to test for 90 days, which I'm still in that 90 day window. So I don't number one, I didn't have fear around COVID, you know, at all. But I don't have that fear also because I don't have to test. Now a lot of people are testing positive. We you know had some more cases. I think were added in the last couple of days um, for us. I think. You know, the league has, has adjusted some of the policies already. Um, what I don't understand, though, it makes no sense to me, is to continue to spread this narrative that non-vaccinated players are either more dangerous or super spreaders, which obviously has been proven to not be true. Um, so why are non-vaccinated players still held to a different testing standard and ability to come back at a sooner date if, you know, if we're continuing to test asymptomatic players daily? And the majority of the Omicron positives, which it seems like there's a high percentage of those, have very little symptoms or mild symptoms at best. 
I don't understand why there's still this uh, two-class system that exists uh, in our league. Uh, you know, I was talking with uh, one of our coaches a couple of days ago, about two years ago, when the flu hit uh, the league kind of hard. It hit us hard. We had over 20 guys, I believe, that had the flu at one point. And during that time, we, you know, those guys, uh, you know, stayed home or stayed away from people. And, you know, if they were able to play, if their symptoms uh, receded enough, they played in the game. Um, and those that didn't stayed away. And, and you were smart about it and you reported symptoms when you had symptoms. But it seems like this is very similar. This variant is, is very similar to, to the flu that we experienced a couple of years ago. So why are we still having this two-class system and pushing this narrative that the, that the facts of whatever science you know we're using here and now it's changing all the time it doesn't really back it up uh, you know like there's not many unvaccinated guys left in the league but but it's obviously you know not a pandemic of the unvaxed and the vaccine which was pushed out initially to uh, you know, and and said with it, and and people can go look this up. This is this is not. Hey, don't you be here. spreading misinformation, okay? I mean, don't be spreading misinformation <laughs> on this program. You hear me? Don't be doing it. <laughs> look, when they when they rolled the vaccines out, a lot of people said you weren't you wouldn't catch COVID if you got the vaccine, right? And you couldn't spread it either. Well, obviously. You know, that was uh, now that narrative has changed. No, we never said that. All we ever said was the vaccine is going to mitigate, uh, you know, your symptoms, keep you out of the hospital. Right. Well, vaccinated people are testing positive and non-vaccinated people have tested positive, too. I don't understand why there's still this this two this two class system. It doesn't make sense to me um, because we're still punishing non-vax people when the majority of the teams are mostly vaccinated. Ones that are 100% vaccinated are still having major cases. And it's, it's across all sports, too. Yeah, so the NFL is... By the way, thank you for speaking on that. I'm going to catch, you know, ricochet shots for you speaking on that. This is Aaron Struth. We've got a doctor coming on tomorrow, by the way. Dr. Drew's on tomorrow. Here we wow. go. Yeah, Dr. Drew's no. on tomorrow. Yeah, Let's Dr. Drew. He's not just the love line guy. No, no. By the way, he's an actual doctor. Yeah. So I'm going to ask him, he you know, did. questions to kind of clear this whole thing up. But I think but, lost. Pat, you mean, I, I, you know, I, I've gotten accused of spreading misinformation uh, when I talk about my, you know, the treatment plan that I used uh, to get better. That's been used by a number of people and doctors. If you watched uh, Dr. McCullough on Rogan, who's, he's a cardiologist, epidemiologist. He goes at length to talk about, and he's double vaxxed. He talks about the treatment plans that he uses with people. I think one of my issues, and I've, I've brought this up many times, is one, they don't talk about the fact that, uh, you know, guys are, are getting better using this, this uh, people are getting better using these things. That's fine. You don't want to talk about that. But how come in a league where we're seeing, what, 51 guys on the list yesterday? 100. There's still zero conversation at least publicly, around treatment options for people that, that test positive. I do know behind the scenes, this is 100% true, there are many teams who are using or are recommending a lot of the same treatments that I got for their players. So Dr. Joe Rogan? There's treatments being talked about behind closed doors, but publicly I don't understand why we can't talk about treatments. And, and because I think it needs to be not just – talked about with the NFL players, but with the rest of the country, that there are ways of, whether it's Delta or Omicron, it seems like there's there's not, you know, there's not a lot of major symptoms. 
But if you have Delta like I did, there's treatment options that actually help. You know, and, and if you don't agree with the ones I use, well, let's come up with some other ones. You know, instead of like sticking a person, you know, putting 10 days in an isolation, you know, with a, and, and not able to see anybody in zero treatment options. That, to me, that's just, if science can't be questioned, it's not science anymore. It's propaganda. Wow. You're going to start some shit. <laughs> that's a deep I mean, statement. That's the truth. I mean, what, what, when, when somebody comes out with a, with a scientific study, right, what do they always say? They say it's a peer-reviewed, right? What does that mean? It means that people in the same field have gone through it and questioned the hypothesis and questioned the research and looked it up to see, does this research stand up? That's what science is all about. It's about forming hypotheses, questioning those, testing those, and then releasing the results. That's, I mean, when did science become... This blind uh, agreement with, uh, w and then not having any debate over what can actually heal people and, and work for people. Well, that makes no sense to me. Well, Aaron, the, the reason is, is because as soon as you say one of the things you just said, and you said a lot of things there, so I want to let you know, I appreciate you speaking your truth, how you feel. Well, a 500-page report is something that kind of gets thrown aside whenever they talk about you, but they hear you say one thing, so they think you're against a massive amount of doctors that have said, hey, this is what we should be doing, this is what we should do, and that's how they get all their information. Now, granted, I have been very open. Charles Barkley came on here and said he's a vaccination guy, and he gave his reasons why he promoted it, and I was thankful for that. I think everybody, situations are situational. They should understand that the other side exists, and you just so happen to be one of the faces of one of the sides that some people don't know or appreciate that they exist. And as a society, I think we got to get to a point where like, let's just fucking move along here, right, Aaron? Is there anything that's going to come that's going to change your mind on all this, or no? Look, I think at the core is that I don't have a problem if somebody gets vaccinated. Okay, that it's your body, your choice. Hey, I'm vaccinated, by the way. I'd like to let everybody that's know. Awesome. That. You made a decision you thought was in your best interest, and I researched, and I have other issues. You know, my my talk about my allergy, like to the mRNA vaccinations. Like, but I made a decision that was in the best interest of my body. And that's what it should be. There should be the freedom to choose what's in your best interest, not, uh, you know, uh, mandates uh, sweeping that, that disregard people who have pre-existing conditions or uh, compromised immune systems, autoimmune diseases, or allergies to ingredients in the vaccine. That, that puts you in a whole different category. And that should be okay. And also, it's, it's, you're making decisions for your body. I, what I don't understand is vaccinated people blaming non-vaccinated people because the vaccine that they took to avoid getting the virus didn't stop them from getting the virus. Well, I want to let you know that you probably are going to get a lot of mentions about how much they hate what you feel, but I feel like you've been very <laughs> consistent. You, I mean, you've been consistent, I'm, though, Aaron. I'm sharing my opinion. I'm not a doctor. I get it. That's what people hammer me most about. But I consulted with a number of doctors. MDs, naturopaths, homeopathic doctors, and figured out what worked best for me. Okay, I'm not some uneducated person who's throwing stuff out. You want to rip on me because I took horse dewormer and whatever else you want to talk about? That's fine. But I also got better in 48 hours, <laughs> and I had symptoms. Hey, do you ever think about some of these uh, blue check marks that are attacking you? Because I get attacked alongside of them. You know, I get attacked for, you know, allowing my platform to be used in a fashion, blah, 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 blah. Do you ever just want to sit in a room with no audience 
Just you and them have cameras on and just do like a, hey, I'm such a dumbass. Let's go ahead and just have a fucking 10-hour conversation here. Do you ever think about that? Is that something you want to do or, or in the middle of the season you can't dive into all of that shit? Well, most of these people have absolutely no following and they, and they, <laughs> and they come after me and there's zero zero retweets or likes i mean they're less than like double digit likes and retweets yeah you're in the pettiness of twitter i like it let's go so it's no it makes is zero uh does zero for me to interact with these people however like wouldn't we all love like a healthy debate between uh let's pick, pick two people who are on rogan's show sanjay gupta and dr mccullough let's have a debate let's Let's hear both sides. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like, when did freedom of speech, when did we lose the ability to respect somebody's opinion, right? Because it's just an opinion. My thoughts are just my own opinion on this matter. But, like, let's have a healthy debate. You believe what you believe. I believe what I believe. We might not change our thoughts, but how we can't have a healthy dialogue without name-calling and mudslinging and calling people anti-vaxxers and kooks and all these different things. I'm like, no, I... I made a decision I thought was best for my body. You might not agree with that. That's fine. You want to talk about it in a civil way, respectful of each other's opinions? Oh, no, you're just going to cancel me or because I'm not a doctor and I'm some dumb jock and I haven't you know, done any research on my own? Well, those things are false, okay? The, the, you want to have a healthy debate? I love it. I love debates. I don't want to debate any of these, you know... A fake blue check marker, so don't get any, uh, you know, any retweets or likes when they post. It. Nobody gives a shit what they say. But, <laughs> but yeah, would I like to have a conversation with both Sanjay Gupta or listen to a conversation between Sanjay Gupta and Dr. McCullough? Of course, it'd be super. It'd be educational. I'd love it. It'd be great. It would be awesome. We need more conversation between and, it, and pick. It's not just vax. It's not vax. It's it's every side of these binary systems that are set up in this country. Uh, like, why would we not want to have more conversation between people who believe one thing and somebody who is another thing? How are you ever going to understand your opinion better unless you hear both sides of an argument? And that's what I would say to people who want to hate on me or discredit any opinion I have on, about the vaccine is that I've done research on both sides. I've, I've researched into the vaccine extensively and also the risks associated with it for me and my own personal body. And I made a decision that was in my best interest. You don't like it? That's fine. I didn't endanger anybody. I take care of myself. I tested every single day. Okay. No one who was at the Halloween party uh, tested positive for COVID afterwards. I tested positive probably with an interaction with a vaccinated person who had COVID. That's the facts. Isn't it interesting, though, to hear you speak about how we should have a conversation and everything like that? Don't you think that comes from the football locker room? I've been preaching this for a long time since I got onto these microphones and said I was very fortunate to be in an NFL locker room in a football locker room because the good part of a locker room is it's a melting pot of people with ideas, opinions, backgrounds, life experiences that have got them to one spot. And you have to be able to talk about those things, still remain brothers and attack a common goal. I think the, the goal would be for the rest of the world to act more like that. And I think that's why you're much more empowered to listen to other people's opinions and ideas because in the football culture, you're forced to do so and then line up alongside of them and your success is dependent upon them and you can go about your life 
And I don't know if the real world is ever going to be able to do that. I hope they are. Now, let's move Let's move along a little bit, okay? And I, I'm sorry I got you back in that rant there, but I think with the protocols and with the amount of players that are out right now and spot testing via IQVIA, a $51.8 billion uh, analytics and medical research company is the ones deciding who's randomly tested that's vaccinated, boosted, and maybe even had COVID before. And if they're asymptomatic, they pop, they're out for the game until they can test negative. It's just... There's a lot going on in the NFL at the highest level right now. Uh, it is, it's absurd. Real life is, is kind of linking in there. Speaking of real life, you said at the end of that last game, you did a full look around, you know, a Lambo. You took it in, 443 plus, 66 to Devontae. Hey, I love you guys around here. I love you guys around here. When do you think the future thoughts happen? After the season? Because I remember my rookie year. We are on a run. And it was maybe week 15, week 16. And at lunch, I accidentally asked Peyton, just accidentally said, hey, when do you start preparing for like the offseason? You know, like when, when should I start thinking about the And Peyton said, when the fucking offseason starts. <laughs> like, hey, do not be thinking about the offseason right now is what he was telling me. And it was awesome. He didn't say it in that exact fashion, but it was basically like, you idiot. Do not ask me that question right now. We are in the middle of a run right now. This is focused on football. Granted, there's a lot of life things happening in this current NFL that wasn't happening then with the vaccine and everything like that. But at the future, is that something you have like slotted to think about after the season? Are you doing it while you're going, while you're enjoying these moments with your teammates and with LaFleur and seeing how things are going? Is it just like an accumulation Call back to draft day. Is it accumulation of opinions, or do you have a time set for that, you think? I mean, not a specific time set, no. I think I don't know how you go through uh, the season and not think about uh, all of it, past, present, and future. I mean, that's part of uh, part of the daily thought process is, is recalling the memories when you're, when you're, you know, when you're with your current teammates or former teammates, you're talking about the past. You're talking about the great memories you had. When you're with your current ones, you're talking about what's going on, you know, Right then and there, you know, this season, these moments, this week, who we're playing. And, you know, when, you, when you're sitting alone by yourself sometimes, you start to project out and think about what the future is going to be like and, and what do you want that future to be. So it's, it's, it's constantly uh, in, and around, uh, in and around the mind. Um, and it's not really if it's not like the, you know, half dozen potential options that are happening. It's, it's what does happiness look like in the future? I think that's the that's the thought process. It's it's not a specific place, a destination, a, you know. A, um, it's it's what's going to make me happiest moving forward, and and it's it's moments like the other night. You know, you think about how special those moments are, and you, I think it makes you cherish them and treasure them a little bit more because. Uh, because those are the special ones, you know, 20 years down the line when you're, you know, sitting in a rocking chair thinking about uh, thinking about the good old days. The happiness thing, it's like, how do you define it? Because there's so many people that are, like Rappaport will take a guess on what he thinks is happening with you. And he's an insider and he's got uh, sources all around every single building. And the way it's kind of unfolded, it's like, Aaron doesn't, I don't think it's like $50 million. I don't think it's the money that Aaron needs. And then they're like, well, he wants to be heard. It was like, well, respect should be something that should be happening to somebody his level. I think the world is trying to guess what would create your happiness. And I assume you're probably doing a lot of the same thing right now, huh? No, I mean, I feel like I know at this point, you know, what when I'm when I'm most happy. And, and that's why, you know, I say I love playing, you know, because... 
that is a happy place for me. On the field, that's my environment. I love being a part of a team. I love being expected to, to play great. I love the opportunity for leadership. That's really special to me. I also know how fleeting every single year is. Uh, I said it, I think, at one point in the locker room uh, after one of the games, like how special this time is, this moment, because this group of people will never be together again. This specific group of people. Every single year there's changes. Players, coaches, personnel, support staff. People retire. People move on. People get cut. People get traded. People sign somewhere else. But this moment is the most important moment because this group will never be together again. I think that allows you to stay in the present a little bit better. And when I say that, I don't I don't have any reference or any, any uh, I'm not being cryptic about my future. I'm just saying that I'm just trying to enjoy this moment as much as I possibly can. And you know, the conversations and the, and the things that impact my decision moving forward have been happening from the off season through every day of the season, you know, and, and all the little things that have happened, you know, become uh, important in, in making that decision um, to keep playing, to play here or, or figure things out otherwise. But but the most important thing is, is to stay present. When you're staying present, you, you know, you're not – you're not uh, thinking too much about the past or the, or the future. and allows you to just enjoy each individual moment, I think. Hey, good luck finding continued happiness, man. I'm pulling for you. You're not going to hear that from anybody else. I don't think I genuinely mean <laughs> it. I, I genuinely hope you do. Because I think 17 years, you know, you've been going to Green Bay, Wisconsin. And a player that has been described the way you've been described, whether it's you as a person or as a player, to go to hibernation in Wisconsin in a very cold place, I don't think a lot of guys your caliber would stick around in Green Bay for as long as they have. Love Green Bay as long as they have. Feel as much pride that you've had for there. Uh, I'm excited for you to kind of figure out what's good for you going forward and excited to hear what you do. Ty, also very intrigued in the entire thing. Yeah, very much so. Aaron, I know uh, after the game they talked about you know Favre's message on the scoreboard and how you got kind of emotional. As a Packers fan, that was really fucking cool to see. And the pop inside the stadium kind of, I think, you know, let you know what everyone in there thought too. Uh, and I know you've talked about your relationship with him growing over the years big time, but did you ever see a moment like that happening when you first got to Green Bay and all the reports were, you know, that you guys' relationship was super icy and he didn't want to have to, you know, kind of bring you along? Like, did you ever envision that moment actually happening? And have you talked to him since then? No, is the answer. <laughs> I never did. Uh, oh. I think that... I was always just trying to stay in the moment back then and and, and keep my head down and, and get better. And you don't think about the possibility of playing for such a long time for one franchise. It's just so rare in sports. Um, I said after the game, and, and I think it, it, it never gets old to say, but I was in a room for three years with a better player than me yeah. for the first time in my career. And I got to see what greatness looked like up close. I got to see uh, the difference between his game and my game and how I needed to improve to get better. I got to see a leadership style and take some things from it that I liked and make notes about things I want to do slightly different, which you should, uh, you know, whoever follows me, that's the advice I would tell them. Like, don't be me, be yourself. You know, whatever. if you like things that I did, work those into your game. If you want to do things differently, do things differently because people follow authenticity and they'll respect you for being yourself. 
Um, everybody else is taken. There's no better person to be than yourself. And I'm fortunate to be able to play behind Brett for three years. I learned a lot of incredible lessons and and some great fundamentals working you know, behind him, working with Tom Clements and Mike McCarthy and Joe Philbin. And that was meaningful, meaningful time for me. And I think uh, as a young player, when you're, you're playing with one of your heroes, you know, you got this idea that we're going to be best friends and we're going to be hanging out all the time. And that's just not a reality. And, and I think <laughs> it's good to have that perspective going back and, uh, and seeing things a little differently, seeing him differently. And, and as I've been able to kind of rewrite some of those stories in my own mind, uh, it, it gave me a deeper love for him and appreciation for him. And I think that's when our friendship uh, was able to really pick back up and, and grow was just this mutual love and respect we have for each other and gratitude. You know, I looked at that time not as like three, you know, years where ah, I wish we were more, you know, closer or, uh, you know, we could have been best friends and I wish he would have taught me more. Instead, I, I look at it like I'm so thankful for that time. If I hadn't had that time, how would I have ever known firsthand what it looked like to be great in the NFL if I hadn't had that time with Brett? And I'm eternally grateful for those three years. It's not for everybody. You know, the quarterbacks don't sit that long anymore. But I'm, I'm thankful that I had those years to grow and to better myself and to play behind a legend because it set me up for the career that I wanted to have and that I've been able to have. Thank you, Brett. Thank, Thank you, you Brett. Thank you, Brett. I mean, getting to watch you guys down in the Bahamas at that golf tourney where Brett had <laughs> Popeye. Yeah, his He forearms. hit a ball 400 yards, I think <laughs> yeah. I saw. Uh, sorry. Oh, I had no idea we're already at this point. Have a good one. Mad Dog's next. Jeez. Dude, thank you so much for your time. I just looked up. We had to hit a hard out for radio. Oh, my God. I did not know we're 52 minutes into this already. Holy shit. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, thank you, Aaron. Uh, let's get to the book club, huh? Because we missed a week last week with the short week. And let's get you back on your off day. You got a big time. Sunday night football matchup in Lambeau against a division rival. Let's let you get back to the film. But before we do that, ladies and gentlemen, it is time. For the book club that swept the entire universe. Started with the Alchemist. The last one we were told about was the Razor's Edge. The answer is by Alex Trebek was electrifying. Oh, yeah. We got a chance to catch up on all these 900-page books, 500-page books, 200-page books. Right. And now it is time for book 15 of the Aaron Rodgers Book Club. I'm going to set it up before I show it on the camera. This is oh, okay, probably my favorite book of the calendar year. Whoa, also, whoa, 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 whoa. December whoa. football. This is December football. This is prime time football right now. And also a book that, Pat, even you could read. Me? Okay. This book takes five to ten minutes to read. Oh, I got that Sun Tzu Art of War. Look at this one. Yeah, Trump it's, change. Not, it's not anything like that. But it's a book... Uh, that you and I resonate. Uh, it's a it's a book about friendship, oh. and it's called "The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse." Oh, wow! Oh man, it's a good book. It's a big horse. Yeah, it's by um, the fox by Charlie Mackesy, and it's a simple book. It's beautifully uh, there's some beautiful drawings in it, and it's just got these little nuggets of wisdom in here that. Uh, man, again, you can read it in, in five or ten minutes and, and probably then go back and underline it and write down these quotes and memorize them. But it's a really sweet book about uh, about friendship. So um, I got this as a gift for Christmas and 
took me just a few minutes to read, and uh, it's definitely one that uh, is really special. So I hope uh, hope everybody checks this book out. Pat, I think you really enjoy this, you and the boys. And um, One more time, what's the title there? Called The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse. Of course. Charlie Mackesee, man. What an author. And oh, yeah. I think there's no better way. I can't wait to read that book. And thank you because you you talked to me in a proper fashion because you said earlier people call you a dumb jock. And that's fine. That's not the truth. I I am very dumb. <laughs> so I can't wait to read The Boy, The Ox, The Horse, and The Man there. And the Mole. The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse. Bingo. What a tag team. You know, Homeward Bound vibes already kind of just looking into it right now, but yeah. I can't wait to read it. And as we get out of here, Aaron, I'd like to do something, even though I don't have a drink on that note. There's red chips. There's blue chips. There's old chips. There's new chips. But there's no chips like friendships. Cheers to you, dude. Thank you for everything, man. Can't wait to read the book. Have an incredible Tuesday. We'll see you next week. Good luck on Sunday Night Football. You're the best, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, boys. Oh, whoa, whoa. Mm. Oh, I thought we were going to sing. Uh, yeah. 55 minutes. Geek what the yeah. fuck are we doing? I, I had no idea. Me neither. I had no clue. When Ty asked his question, Zito was in my ear like, hard out four minutes. I'm like, hard out? For what? Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Big shout out to Aaron for spending that much time. Today's show is presented by Arby's. Just when you thought it couldn't get better than the real country-style rib sandwich that was smoked low and slow in an East Texas smokehouse, Arby's one now did themselves again. Hell yeah. We now introduce to you the Arby's Boneless Wings. Arby's delivered 7,000 of these things to the office yesterday, and we can verify they are delicious. Top-notch. Legit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Perfectly sauced. Yeah. Not too much, not too little. Seemed like, now granted, it was for our office specifically, so you're going to have to try out that. Seemed like it was cooked to a perfect amount, and I ate it hours and hours later. Mm -hmm. Still a good Good kick. Good cold. Still a good kick, Mm -hmm. good taste, good texture on the boneless wing. Delicious. Very impressed. They should have been doing boneless wings for a long time. Yeah. They had barbecue. They had uh, uh, buffalo. buffalo. They had, uh, I think there's two others, right? I don't know. Honey? We had those two. Yeah. We're talking about six pieces of all white meat in crispy seasoned breading tossed in either classic buffalo or hot honey sauce. There it is. Served with their new crinkle cut French fries, which might be even better than curly fries. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying they told me they to say are that. very good. They are, they are, they are, they are, are unbelievable. Can you get some cheese on this? Oh, oh, they're salted very well. Oh my god! All that is just five dollars. Wow! What? Six pieces of boneless chicken. What? How do they make money? I don't know. Uh, crinkle cut French fries. What? The cheese will probably be a little bit more. Yeah, sixty oh, cents. Yeah. <laughs> five dollars. Get out and try yours today. Thanks to Arby's. Shout out to Arby's. This hour's a big one because we have a first-time guest. Okay? Oh yeah. UGA Whoa. football. Stud NFL player and the man who has the longest combative streak in the history, undefeated streak in the history of anything combat. That's right. Damn. One point, this man was 173 and 0. 173 times he stepped into a combat, into a fight, into a battle, and he was victorious. Hell yeah. Damn. I can't wait to chat with this guy, honestly, to be honest, uh, because I 
have not got a chance to call any of his matches mm -hmm. since joining WWE. I got a chance to chat with him uh, for like five minutes before a pay-per-view. Very cool guy, very nice guy. Got a chance to chat with him. His on-TV uh, character, you know, is super intense and super serious, but he seemed to be fun loving. Loves cars. Oh, really? Oh, loves love cars. That. Car I mean, guy. he has a car cast, like a podcast about cars called oh, The Car Cast, and he has Goldberg Garage at Goldberg Garage. Okay. I think I've seen him on every Dodge commercial for the last 10 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolute badass of a human being. A man who is on here representing the WWE, in which he is an icon and a Hall of Famer, billed out of Atlanta, Georgia. He's not on you. Yeah. <laughs> you can see it in the eyes. It's a shame he didn't get to take any of that. Ladies either. and gentlemen, it is a shame that he didn't get to hear the two minute build up right there. <laughs> Because this dude is an icon, Georgia Bulldog legend, WWE Hall of Famer, Bill Goldberg. Yeah! What's up, dude? Thank you, gentlemen. How you doing? Hey, real quick, before we get started, thanks for joining the show. First time on here, we're all massive fans. We appreciate yeah, you, man. Yeah. And also... Happy birthday! Hi, my Chikorama Thank you, brother. I appreciate it, man. I'm an old fucker. So I'll tell you. <laughs> hey, I feel like we've seen you on TV and in shape for so long. And I want to kind of chit-chat about it all before we get to... Uh, there's pay-per-view in Atlanta, uh, day one. I know you're not currently a part of it, but it's back there, and I can't wait for it on Saturday. And the NFL actually has no games on Saturday mm -hmm. yeah. because of day one on Peacock, 7 o'clock Saturday, down there in Atlanta, Georgia. You football guy, though, through and through, from Tulsa, Oklahoma, ended up at the Bulldogs. Uh, how did that whole thing go? You were a D lineman, an absolute stud. Were you? Was that your entire life? Was football your entire thing? Because I remember hearing that wrestling wasn't even really a thought as a kid. Is that accurate? Two older brothers, uh, both played at University of Minnesota. Always wanted to be a football player. Never had a uh, desire to really follow any other path. And uh, once that dream was taken away from me because I sucked, uh, <laughs> I had to go out and, and find another career. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. And, you know, I want to know how good you guys uh, are with your due diligence. Did you know that you and I have a, uh, a, a tie that bonds us together in the football world? We did all of our due diligence, obviously. Our show is known for that. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, was a, I was a punter in high school and yeah. a kicker. Oh, you're a freak athlete. Of course and, you were. And this gets better. My brother was with the – both my brother – well – my, old, my youngest older brother was with the Raiders for a very short period of time. And to make an extremely long story short, when he got cut, his locker was right next to Ray Guy's. Obviously, Ray Guy is the freaking man, right? So uh, he, he stole Ray Guy's, one of his shoes, one of his kicking shoes. Smart. And I was, I was using it in ninth grade <laughs> in high school. So you walked a mile and kicked the ball in Ray Guy's shoes. Then you would go on to be 173-0 in wrestling. Wow. I mean, obviously. Dude, dude, here we go. Don, Don Chandler. Remember him? You're the captain kicker, right? Yeah, of course. Don Chandler with, with Green Bay. He was my brother's kicking coach. My brother went to the Raiders as a kicker. Goldberg, I didn't know just you had freak athleticism all over the family. I mean, it makes sense with how much damage you did. And you said you suck or whatever. Played at Georgia, sniffed the NFL. You don't suck at all, dude. That's a hell of a career. And especially now, it has to feel good that the dogs are back on top, huh? 
Yeah, no question. I mean, I, I've been obviously following them ever since I left, and uh, they're always at the top of the of the um, of the food chain. And uh, this year is really no different. It's just uh, we. It looks as if we finally have a terrific chance to be national champions. So let's just see if we can do it. It's because the defense, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, you know me. I'm a Smash Mouth guy. Defense wins championships. I'm the old school guy. All the cliches apply. Um, I'm curious to see if anybody's opted out for the game on the D line, and you know that's what's to me. That's where games are won. I'm a smash mouth, you know, meathead. I'm a, I'm a nose guard, so I, all I do is watch the line anyway. So it's uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. It's going to be a uh, it's going to be an old school game. I think. Well, being an old school meathead guy, the transition into wrestling was easy, hard because it's not from, and you might. You know, obviously, better than me, but this is a story that I kind of heard, you know, and kind of rumored back. I guess the Mike Tyson knockouts, how he would go in there and the buzz and the electricity of maybe a first 10-second knockout led to maybe the evolution of what the Goldberg character was. And, and maybe they needed the proper person for that particular thing. But whenever you were going in the time, there was nothing that brought a crowd to their feet more than when the gongs hit and the goddamn uh -huh. Goldberg chant started. And you would come out of that thing, and then the match, the match was you slaughtering somebody. <laughs> I mean, just burying... But that, the was, that was the point, right? That yes. Was, no, I'm not going to bag on the wrestling business by any stretch of imagination because ultimately it's made me who I am. But there are enough chain wrestlers out there. There are enough guys who, who can do all the high-flying moves. I thought at the time I was a huge uh, mixed martial arts fan. I still am. I've been dabbling in it for 25 years. And I knew the UFC was going to take off. I wanted to – I was a defensive lineman, right? Okay, so it, tough, it was extremely tough for me to be making my debut in the Atlanta area in that everyone knew me from the, the Bulldogs and the Falcons – and I made the statement, man, I can't go out there and act like I'm getting punched, you know, and fake it. And it'd be so like a Ric Flair thing. I wasn't the Ric Flair character. So I needed to come up with something that would allow me to be able to look in the mirror and be proud of what I'm doing. And I thought the Mike Tyson thing was really cool in that okay. it kept people on the edge of their seat, whether it was a two second or or or, you know, two minute match. You were at the edge of your seat waiting to see the carnage and you didn't know what was going to happen it was different than everything else and i'm very fortunate that i was in that position hulk hogan did everything for me you know uh eric bischoff all the the steiner brothers everybody down at wcw uh and to be and to answer your question i've said this many times before about the reception that i got in the wrestling world it was like college you at west virginia Walking into a frat party as if being on the football team. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. So you know how uncomfortable that situation was? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly how it was at WCW. Every exactly single night, too. Exactly how it was to be in the, wrestling, in the wrestling business. And that's every single night, by the way, because everybody's coming to watch it, so you have to be there. And these guys who have worked, you know, their entire life, bingo halls, that's no joke. Bingo halls, armories, gyms, they're trying to get there, trying to work the relationships. They have natural friendships that have carried through uh, promotion to promotion, and then they drop this meathead in there, and they're like, hey, here's what's going to happen. He's going to have his whole walk out from the back, something that a lot of wrestlers probably dreamed of doing at the time weren't able to do it you go out there and you become a sensation 
I couldn't even fathom the amount of bullshit drama that was potentially happening behind the scenes. People wonder why I was the way I was when I arrived at WWE. <laughs> the first time. You know, it was I was a man uh, that was always looking behind him, behind his back. You know, I always had my back up against the wall because I thought people would give me that positive advice that I, that I thought was going to help me, but ultimately it was to bury me. But you know, um, it is what it is, and and I'm. I'm very respectful of all of those guys uh, who have worked for 25 years to jump off a building for 15 bucks to get on television. And I'm at the end of the day, it's just like being on a football team, right? If Deion Sanders is on the team and I'm a guy who plays defensive back and I know that I can't do what Deion Sanders does, but I know ultimately he's going to take us to the championship. Uh, hey, man, I'm part of the team. It's easy to say that when you're 173 or 176 and 0 and you were smashing people. <laughs> um, but that's my philosophy. I mean, I think I've proved it even more so when I came back to WWE because I came back for a number of reasons. First and foremost, because I owed the business something. Yeah. And I owed the business something that I hadn't given in the past. And after a 16-year hiatus and obviously the birth of our son, um, that it, it all changed, and I felt really guilty about getting receiving so much from the business and then not really giving back um, per the fans. Isn't it so. interesting? Isn't it interesting though? And I appreciate you opening up about that. And I was a punter on a team, so I love the hey, just fucking do your job. You know, like, hey, Bingo. if if I do my job to my best ability, the team is going to be better off. Let's go ahead and do that. But there's some people, and it happens in football. It happens in every business. You know, the coach screwed you. This idea, it, like, it happens in everything because humans are humans. And I remember hearing all those stories about, like, how, you know, you're receiving. That's like, you know, when you came back, you were in such good shape. And I think all the people that were in the business at that point grew up as fans of yours. So it was probably a little bit of an easier transition, although you probably feel as if you always have to prove yourself, right? It was easy. It was easier. Yeah. And there's no question. My father was of the opinion that you're only as good as your next match, your next game, your next surgery. He was an obstetrician gynecologist. Right. And so you don't you're not you're not based upon who you were. It's who you are. So, um, hey, were you scared? Were you scared you weren't going to be able to? Because uh, I watched a documentary of you training. You know, you're on that thing. You're out in the middle. I'm always, always scared, man. You know, um, I hold myself in, in very high esteem and that I have a very high bar to reach. And if I don't feel comfortable with myself, you know, as well as anybody out there, you see what everybody goes through. Um, you're a bit of a psychologist in, in your own right, you know, watching what everybody does and watching reactions and we're just watching the whole package. Um, for me, I'm never satisfied. I mean, uh, yesterday was my birthday. First thing I did was I, I got up and trained. You know, I'm, I'm a I'm Hey, a what'd you do on your birthday? I worked out. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. Right, I'm Goldberg. I got dude. to, man. I got to. I got an image, right? And and I have a son and I have a mirror. And I, <laughs> I you know, I, I just, I think that, Hard work definitely pays off at 55 years old. Um, you know, look at Edge going out there and doing the thing that he's doing. I mean, he's in great shape. Um, it's funny because nobody says other than you, uh, hey, look at Goldberg. He's in pretty good shape for 55 years old. I don't, I don't really hear much of that. <laughs> well, well, listen, you've got to block out the negative, all right? You're around all those engines and cars and weights. I mean, you got to stack the chips on the shoulder. I get it. But when you came back with how – you look so good. It was unbelievable because I'm 34 right now. And when I turn 35, 
I'm waking up. I'm eating some probably French toast. So I know. No, I'm joking though. Like that discipline to your body. And after watching that documentary, I think you told Vince like, "Hey, this is me after three months." Have you always been into your body? And like, is that something? Do you have a routine at this point? Are you super dieting all the time? How have you kind of maintained at 55 to be in the best shape of your life still? Uh, yesterday, my wife made me a red velvet cake for my birthday. Oh. And I, I ate the entire cake. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm also of the opinion that you can't starve yourself and you, you, you only live once. I love food. And so I worked my ass off just to kind of counterbalance my crappy diet. Got but, it. Got um, it. I, I, there, there are a lot of factors that go into it, man. I mean, they haven't given me very much time. This last time with Lashley was the longest time that I had to prep. And I think you see the results. I mean, I, I, I felt pretty good. And, you know, I won't tell everybody on national radio or television that my shoulder's been destroyed for the last three years, five years, eight years. And I need surgery, but I, I you know, I'll get it when I'm done. I'll get it when I'm finished. You know, so wait, wait, um, wait, you're one of those what things. the fuck are we even <laughs> you're fifty. Well here's the deal. If Vince calls me tomorrow morning and says, Hey Goldberg, we need you in a month, what am I gonna do if I get surgery, right? So I uh, I'll get her done when, when it's time. <laughs> hey, is that how it works? You just you let him know, hey, I'm available. Like when you're when your kid no, he calls you. He lets me know. Hey, 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 Bill. You know. Hey, Vince. Hey, Bill, it's Vince. I didn't have his number saved. I didn't have his number saved in my phone. I didn't have his number. And then uh, a random number calls me twice and then texts me. Uh, and then I didn't answer at that time. I still didn't answer. Then on Friday, I get to the building or whatever, you know. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, 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 he gave me a full. I was like, oh, let me go back through my, oh, shit. And I sent a response, is this you? Yeah, and he was like, yes, Pat. I was like, okay, let me save this fucking number here real quick. He called me at the, he called me for the Lashley match when I was at a low country boil uh, football party for uh, some LSU fans, and I was hammered. So let's just say that, yeah. You know, that's the call you got to take all the time, man, all the time. Hey, I, I love Vince. I was about I to say, Bill, hey, Bill. But I, he, I really love the guy. He doesn't get, I don't think, and it's obvious, anytime you're in the public eye for as long as he has been doing shows weekly, I mean, he has the two longest episodic shows, both in Raw and SmackDown in the history of entertainment. He's on the road. He lives like a rock star. He's hands-on still at whatever age he is. But anytime you're on, in the limelight that long, there's going to be shit that you do that piss people off. So Vince has a lot of people that hate him, obviously. He has a lot of people that hate him for whatever reason. He will never, in my eyes, get the amount of respect he deserves for being not only a business mogul, media mogul, and still one of the hardest workers the earth has ever seen because he, I think he embraces that heel character, and he's an absolute animal. But what if I And he's a beathead. He trains at 2 in the morning. You know, the guy, the guy, that's one thing he and I have in common more so than anything else is that we're addicted to working out. And I'll be training, you know, on my Cybex or my hammer machine, probably in the hospital when I'm about to croak. But, you know, it's just it just makes me feel better. I can't go throughout the day without knowing that I've already trained. You know, it's it's a it's a positive addiction. When you go over to like Saudi Arabia, when you're requested by royalty, allegedly, and you go over there and you know that that's a part of potential world history. Right. And a lot of a lot of things have been said about that relationship in the crown jewel. But I feel like to make progress, you have to 
Like, you have to take easy steps in there. And who knows what the future holds for the entire world? Literally, every single day could be something different. But when you go over there, and, and when you did the USO tours and stuff, do you realize, like, hey, this is, this is different than what we normally do on a day-to-day? Is that something, or do you just stay focused on the task at hand whenever you do something like that? Well, after a 16-hour flight, you know that it's not normal normalcy once you land. That and, you know, you hear the, the praying going on in the evenings. And, you know, as, a, as one of the most visible Jewish guys on the planet, I, I was extremely, I was terrified to go over the first time. I really was. Um, it was under the auspices of the WWE, so obviously the security was there. And I'll be perfectly honest, man. I mean, I, I haven't gotten a reception like that anywhere around the world that's much better. I mean, those people are so appreciative of what we do, um, the characters that we are, the business that we provide for them, the entertainment we provide. And let's be perfectly honest, man. Uh, we were there at the groundbreaking stage of the westernization of that part of the country, of that part of the world. And we caught a lot of shit in the beginning. And, and I think, you know, look at look at all the people who've jumped on board right now. Look at all the talent, all the the, the events that they've been able to put on to westernize, to, to bring Saudi Arabia, you know. Evolve. 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 Well, yeah, that's the word I was looking for. No question. So I think we were, we caught a lot of shit in the beginning, but I, I think we should be very proud of, of the precedent we set, you know. It's so, hey, that's so real to hear because you won over there as well. So not only did you get a massive pop whenever you came out and the Goldberg chants were so loud, you win, they celebrate alongside of you. I think a lot of us back home here who have a sense of what's potentially going on in the world, not enough, but it was like, oh, that's a cool fucking moment. You know, I mean, that is a... It, it was. It was. A, my wife was there. My son was there the first time we traveled to Saudi. And, you know, it was nothing but the utmost respect. I mean, it was a terrific trip. Uh, I suggest that people do it, try it, because you never know until you try something. Um, how many more years do you think Vince is just going to uh, call you when you're drunk at parties and stuff for LSU folks? Do, do, do you ever, do you ever <laughs> you think what? about that? Do you ever think about that at all? I got one more match left on my deal, man. That's it. That's oh, all I got. Is that breaking news right now or no? No, no, everybody knows I got one more left. That's it. Oh, uh, so I didn't do any due diligence. I learned you were a punter earlier. We actually have the photo of you punting. We actually have the photo of you punting. You look good. No bull. Wow. You got, oh my God. Look at that little leg that extension. My, that was probably my Charlie Brown punt, the one that went, uh, uh, it was in the rain and it went behind me. <laughs> oh, you had one of those? Oh, yes, I did. I also went to camp in River Falls, uh, River Falls Wisconsin, Doc Stories Kicking Camp. Did you learn anything? You kicked the ball backwards. Yep. No, well, that was in the rain. And you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, hey, I was I was pretty damn good. I was that guy who kicked off straight yeah. and would run down the field, make the tackle, kick his shoe off, have another shoe thrown in, and still be on the defensive line for the next snap. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, and you're a freak athlete. I, I would know that you'd be a great punter kicker. You know, it takes that certain level of in there i think we could have worked on the leg extension a little bit you know it felt like you were kind of half half cocking that thing maybe get it no, up. that was at the that was the downswing oh that was after the ball was already gone at that point okay got it yeah, right. yeah, yeah i got it i got it, I got it. uh the boys have a couple questions for you is that okay yeah man i got one question for you though before they throw them to me okay why has why has the why do you think that the the kicking the ball out of bounds as a punter on the you know within the 10 yard line has has been completely forgotten in national football league okay so there is a real answer to this and you will respect and appreciate this so as guys 
Uh, you know, back in the day, there used to only be like one or two good returners in the entire league. Remember, there was mm -hmm. only like one or two. Then everybody started seeing the benefits of having a great returner. They started adding, oh, let's get our most explosive player to be back there. Now the league has, has like 15-20. So not only in the return game did the game evolve on special teams, but also for the guys rushing punts. There was a stat that came out. If you blocked a punt, you won like 80% of the games or something. Like 80% of the time, if you blocked a punt, you got in there. So then as guys continue to run four fives, four fours at 260, 250, they all started lining up rushes right off the edge. So now the name of the game is staying within the pocket. So to cough and corner, you got to kind of kind of go to the side and kind of aim out there. But in mm -hmm. the, the end over end style, you can stay quicker and more compact in the pocket. So it's just a much easier way to get the ball off without any fear of it getting blocked. And also there's a good chance it's going to probably end up being a fair catch or check up for you. So the cough and corner, although some guys still do it, they do it from a little further out. You just, mm -hmm. people stay out of going out to the outsides too much due to the potential block fuck your stats, ruining your team, and probably losing the game. Ah, so it's a stats thing. No, it's for winning the game. <laughs> hey, stats are on everybody's side, Goldberg. You know mm -hmm. that. Go ahead, Ty. Bill, huge fan first and foremost. I still remember where I was when you got tased by Scott Hall, ruined my entire month growing up. But I also remember, I, I don't know if it was Nitro or Thunder, but you're you're basically shattering the the windows of a limousine. I think you got real juiced up. You elbowed the window and just blood started spraying everywhere. And I read that you severed an artery. Yeah, and they almost had to amputate your arm. Obviously, when you've been in the business as long as you have, like stuff's gonna happen. But has there ever been anything like crazier than that? Like when that happened, you're like, oh shit! Like th this could be the end of my career. Um, I, I didn't. Those thoughts didn't go through my mind by any stretch of imagination. I was after Scott Hall that night. I think that's what ultimately did that. Um, there was a, a sledgehammer I was supposed to grab going out of the arena that smashed that limousine, and I figured it by just do it with my arm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I thought it was good television. I, I truly didn't think that that side, side window was going to be that tough to smash. And when I hit it, I went in, and it kind of opened me up like a cheese grater. And, uh, you know, that's when I put my hands together and smashed the limousine on the, on the hood. I, hey, it was the highest rated segment on cable television in the history of uh, TNT. So, um, Whoa. Yeah. no big deal. Uh, Take an arm, dude. Take an arm. Anything for views. I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, oh, you know, there's a lot that can happen in a wrestling ring. You know, a lot. And I think one of those matches that we were just talking about, you suffered either a concussion or two of them in the middle of that thing. Has there ever been a time where you thought, like, oh, no, like, I'm not going to be able to get through this? Because I, I couldn't imagine the... Taker. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Undertaker in Saudi. Um, you know, i had been out for a while in you, your routine. You have a routine as a punter. Everybody's got a routine, right? So I kind of forgot my routine. Mm. Um, but I remembered the headbutt. So on the way out, I headbutt the door. And, <laughs> man, I don't know where I am after that. I have no idea what's going on. And I'm kind of getting to the ring, and then uh, we've got the spot where he moves and I hit the turnbuckle. Well, I didn't go out and look at the turnbuckle beforehand, and it was a different setup than what we normally would have at Raw or, or SmackDown. Huh. And, uh, yeah, I, I took that one. I try to take things as realistic as possible, right? So um, I took it wrong, and let's just say I got another concussion right there and opened myself up pretty good. And I'm never going to, you know, it's the referee and the, the booker's responsibility to kind of call what's going on in there. You know, they're on the mic and the headset and everything. 
And the referee, I remember, uh, he came up to me 10, 15 times during that match. Hey, how you doing? And I'm like, I'm good, I'm good. And then by the time he'd walk away, I'd go, I'd go, oh, man, man I don't know what's going on. I'm <laughs> And so it was a different answer every time. And the fact is, is that I never should have done what I did, but I did. I tried to go through with it. And unfortunately, it, it turned out to be a debacle. It's a wonder that we both didn't get smashed um, during that match. And, you know, it's just, I'm happy. It, was one, it was a very bad missed opportunity. But I, hey, at the end of the day, I was just trying to provide a better show for everybody else. We were all uh, very happy you came back on the other side of that, by the way. Not only health-wise and taker health-wise, but also you put on more since then, you know? Because a lot of us were like, that is not how we want to remember no. old Goldberg. And you've done nothing but show up since then. When I did, uh, I did a swanton off top of cage in uh, NXT, you know, and I... I tried to take everybody out, Bill. I tried to take everybody mm-hmm, out. Mm-hmm. And it seems like uh, me getting close to them took some of them out. The air, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, so, you know, I, I tried to take them out. And, you know, it was a lot of me hitting, you know, the ring there. There was a lot of yeah. me hitting the ring. And uh, the ref sliding in. <sighs> Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, everything's okay. Then the ref leaving. And then the ref two seconds later, three seconds later, sliding back in for real hey for real are you okay i'm like you get the fuck away from me yeah i'm okay and then i tried to then i tried to move you know i tried to move and i was like oh maybe i'm not <laughs> maybe I'm not. but at that point it was too far gone it was like yep. oh my god that whole so you get it yeah that, here it is right here here it is yeah look oh, jesus christ hey pretty good swanton though huh Way to go, dude. <laughs> I took them all out. Took out seven guys. Oh, yeah. Took out, no big deal. How are we doing? Keep it moving. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, Goldberg, we're all pretty big Adam Sandler fans, and you happen to co-star in one of his movies. Is Paul Crew one of the grittiest <laughs> quarterbacks you've ever played with? And how do you think the Mean Machine would shape up in today's NFL? Oh, Mean Machine would get killed, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, we didn't have, enough we speed. Didn't have to speed. Yeah, speed. We didn't have to speed. I mean, uh, Nelly was pretty damn fast. I can tell you, he was he was taking most of the reps. There weren't many doubles for Nelly. And by the way, everyone had a double in that movie. Uh, ask Michael Irvin how much running and how much. <laughs> but God damn it, I did everything. Whoa! I, I did everything except for run down on one kickoff because I was in Sturgis because I had that in my contract where they had to let me go for three days to go to Sturgis for the rally. Oh, my God, that is hysterical. Nobody's trying to run down on kickoffs. L- literally, you're like, I'll run down. That's where I a- tore my hamstring. As a rookie, uh, the second kickoff, the, yeah, the second kickoff I ran down was against Phoenix and uh, tore my hamstring at about the 20-yard line. D-Lyman, nose tackle playing kickoff team, though, huh? Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe give yourself a little bit more love every once in a while. I had to do what I had to do to be on the team. And they ultimately cut me. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, he pulled a hamstring. They came to a settlement. Uh, our last question here, uh, before you get out of here, we watched this this morning. Mm-hmm. You and Kevin Green handling business on Pros vs. Joes. And obviously the late, great KG here. Uh, you guys had a great friendship, I believe, right? That the WC, uh, WCW either birth or one from before then. Uh, he's obviously moved on. AJ's normally here. He's tight with him as well. We've heard nothing but great stories. But those types of moments, I'm sure you look back on pretty fondly, huh? Pretty proud of that, man. Um, Kevin Green, my second stint at the Rams was my roommate. And uh, talk about a loose cannon. Talk about a great guy. Talk about a guy who 
you know, talk about a time where, you know, you're actually rooming with an idol of yours. You know, at the Falcons, I, I lockered next to Pierce Holt. Pierce Holt, to me, was was God. He was one of the best D linemen I, I'd ever seen. And to be able to be in their presence and to be able to learn from them and to be able to befriend them, you know, that was that was some of the coolest times of my life, man, I, I got to say. I mean, I'm a football player, true and true. And um, Kevin Green epitomized, uh, you know, a defensive end, a linebacker, outside linebacker. The guy had so much energy, it was unbelievable. And you just feed off of that. And I love the guy to death, man. And uh, God rest his soul. Hey, obviously, God rest his soul to KG. But you're a meathead from Tulsa, okay, who has the longest streak in the history of sports entertainment. You played in the NFL. You were a punter. You were a kicker. You're Dodge's guy. You got the car cast. You're an actor. Pretty fuck. And you won in Saudi Arabia as a Jewish man. I mean, oh, yeah. fucking hell of a run here yes. as a 55-year-old man. <laughs> yeah. Happy Thank birthday. You Thank you for joining us in Saturday, Atlanta, day one. What's going on? Are we in shape or not? You know what I mean? If Vince gives a call Friday, what are we doing? Absolutely. You and me tag. Oh. You don't want that. I just got paid too much money, ate too much food. I don't know if I'm the right driven guy. That <laughs> you ain't got to do shit. Just lay on the guy after I spear him. Yeah! <laughs> hey, I need a win. I lost that match, believe it or not, what I just saw there. I do. I need a win, and I think teaming with you would be the right move. I appreciate you, ladies and gentlemen. WWE Hall of Famer, Bill Goldberg. Yeah! Hey, go dogs, dude. Love you, brother. Appreciate hey, it, guys. Y'all hey, have a great day. Hey, you too, man. Good guy. Yeah, that oh, yeah. was awesome. awesome. Incredible. Fucking Bill Goldberg. Dude. Yeah. Tone was going to ask a question, but it was actually Connor's question. Right? Isn't that what you said? I was going to ask the yeah, pros and Joe's. Yeah, pros mm-hmm. and Joe's. Okay, I thought you were going to ask the Mean Machine question, but, I mean, that guy's been there, done that. Oh, yeah. I remember us, whenever he was standing in Saudi Arabia, on the he was on the second turnbuckle in the corner with his hands up or whatever, and it was like, that's fucking pretty cool Just to be having. It feels good having Goldberg back. It does. It does? Yeah. I I forgot my routine. I remember that I headbutted a door. <laughs> I didn't remember before that I like warm up first. That's you know? no bullshit either. Like I don't remember a lot of stuff. Like I, I still remember like sitting in my living room watching him get tased by Scott Hall against uh, Kevin Nash and losing his undefeated like that undefeated streak coming to an end. That was all anyone was talking about for like the next month and a half. That dude loves ball. Yeah, he loves does ball. love ball. Love ball. Um, before we get to a break oh, here, no. what? Oh no, what? I don't. I don't oh, want to no. do this. Big. Oh, oh, oh no. no. So. Oh, no. That oh, no. son of a bitch, Omnicron. All right? We heard about it. Oh, oh no. They were telling tales of what the <laughs> Omnicron would do or could do. When it came out of South Africa and then landed in California, they said, look at. They said, it's Omnicron. It's going on. It's gonna be everywhere. That's what they said. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's how it was being. It was a cut promo, almost like a wrestling promo. Delta was standing there. Hey, what's up? You know, I'm the next generation of COVID. Oh, and then Omnicron said, "Bitch, get out of the way." That's what the news said. And then they said, just wait what Omnicron's going to do once it hits the ground running. This son of a bitch is faster than Usain Bolt. It's more friendly and hospitable, and it's a socialite more so than any reality TV show you have ever seen. They will hit everybody at all times, at all angles, at different levels. And everybody said, there's no way. We just shut down the whole world for COVID-19. You're telling me 
that somehow the third or fourth generation of this goddamn thing is the most powerful, the biggest threat to our society, the thing that's going to shut us down even more after the world's open up. And they say, yeah, that's what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Lo and behold, about two weeks later, all of a sudden the Omicron was 80% of the cases in the United States. That son of a bitch had touched down everywhere. Spot testing were proving that not only is Omicron everywhere, it's also potentially not really doing anything. Yeah. Jeez. Asymptomatic characters were getting ruled out of everything. Games were being moved. Leagues were being shut down. And now we can report that the son of a bitch Omnicron has found its way to Carson Wentz. Oh, no. 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 Our Amira Pro Football Focus. Oh, no. My sports update. The Colts just placed QB Carson Wentz on the reserve COVID-19 list. Wentz is unvaccinated. His decision. So he's out for 10 days if he tests positive and five days if he's close. Uh, oh, my God. That's a game. That's a game. Carl. Oh, no. He just got the fucking game ball. I know. We've been talking for weeks and weeks. This team runs through Jonathan Taylor. But all the critics said Carson's going to have to make a play for them to go win the Super Bowl. Carson's going to have to do it. And lo and behold... Without 45 starters on Christmas Day in the desert, there was plays being made by Carson Wentz that won him the game. So much so that Frank Reich after the game said, hey, game ball Chris Ballard, congratulations. You had a great roster. We had so, much, uh, so many injuries in COVID. We still went, Carson Wentz, you made a huge play for us. We're going to need you to go on the run, even though the team runs through Jonathan Taylor. Way to go. Thank you. He says, hey, it's fun. Hey, this is what we need to do. Okay, this is what we need to do. Everybody put your hands in. Team on three. Team on me. One, two, three, team. Team. Everything was rolling. Hard knocks. Oh, my God. Hard knocks is cooking. Oh, Carl's out. He is unvaccinated loudly. <laughs> not like they could have sneaked oh, by no. the No, no, no. The protocol. What is hard knocks going to do tomorrow? Well, hard knocks is going to oh, have to edit that whole thing if we had to guess. And, hey, hook him, baby. Uh, Ellinger, wearing the number four, which I don't necessarily love. Okay. Yeah, Harbaugh. Happy birthday, Adam Vinatieri. Harbaugh. Harbaugh. He's in the ring of honor. Okay. Breath Come hard. back, kid. Thanks, dude. Adam Vinatieri. Yeah. Okay. Happy birthday, by the way. Hall of Fame. Happy birthday, birthday Vinny. Happy birthday, Vinny. Love you, Vinny. So I love Sam Ellinger, okay? And when he predicted that they were back when he was talking about UT, he was not accurate, but the kid's got fucking grit. He's a ball player. Moxie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got a lot of Moxie down there. Rogers. Oh, the return of King Rogers. Perfect. Now is not a time. What? Now is not a time. Bro, I'm not hype. Like I mean Aaron's coming, I get it. King Cots, we just gotta strike for that probably. Oh yeah. It's a great song, but it's not great news about Carson. We got a four minute break, we're back on the other side. That's gotta be like 150 guys now at this yeah, point yeah. on the thing. They should do a. He, you should call him and do a hype boy Carl Wentz remix. Well, right now it would be him just sitting in quarantine all by his goddamn self. Yeah. yeah. The Colts could win a Super Bowl, but if they lose their next two because Carson's out, they're not going to make the playoffs. Right. Holy shit. Let's get to a break. There's no reason to think about those types of things. Uh, JT is going to get 50 carries this weekend. Well, I'll wait till the CDC does something tomorrow. Oh, I, <laughs> hey, listen, if the CEO of Delta is speaking to the yeah. CDC yeah. change rules, get Jim Irsay in his fucking collection over to CDC. 
and let's start let's start talking. Yeah. I don't want to rain on any brother. Parades. We need cars. Paid this guy thirty million, brother. I mean, geez, this is crazy. Is there any worry that the guy who usually is closest to oh no Carl Wentz is in fact Jonathan Taylor? Oh, oh I think it's now they've been socially distant in the backfield this entire time, other than a handoff. But the stats have told us that in the stadium and gameplay, yeah. yeah. no on-field transmission. No on-field the ball. Well, the gloves. They're wearing gloves. We're back to four. He doesn't. John does. John does. John does. Holds the ball high and tight, though, because he's a good running back. Yeah, yeah but he doesn't lick the ball while he's running. <laughs> it's close. <laughs> We're back in four minutes. This is not good. Omicron needs to get the fuck out. All right, how about this? All COVID, you're no longer welcome. Yeah. That's right. Get out. I'm happy we finally declared. <laughs> Foot down. I feel like we should have said that earlier. We. Sorry it took us this long. Uh-huh. COVID, you are no longer welcome here. We're over it. We're done with it. So you should be too. Be gone now. Get. Go on. Hey, yeah. COVID, get. Go on, get. Especially out of the bobcat that Carson Wentz is driving yeah. around Oof. the field. Maybe that's the problem. Yeah, it makes you wonder if he was a deer guy. Well, he probably shouldn't have took the tractor. Another, another round. round. Another round. round. Who's this last one? Another, Another round. round. That was when he ran into the goddamn yeah. scarecrow that had COVID out uh, there. That's right. Jeepers Creepers. What's the deal, dude? Carl? Come on. He's just playing his best ball. Dane Orschlovsky was on yesterday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He said, Carson looks like 2017 Carson, doesn't he? How about that? Well, now he looks like 2018 <laughs> Carson. Yeah, not playing. He's not playing, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Call Phillip. <laughs> Call Philip. <laughs> Call Philip Rivers. Call Drew. Drew Bring said no in. to New Orleans. Maybe he'll say yes Get to Phil. Is that real, by the way? Is that real, the Drew Brees uh, thing? How do we miss it? Oh, because I was on a mountain. We, n- none of us talked about that. I don't know if that's Fuck, true. I think Mort was lying. Yeah, it was Drew who said it. I think oh, he just wanted geez. to feel good about himself. Steve Levy sent me a text this morning. He said, you blew up my Twitter last night with this entire thing. I thought he broke news like as a casual throwaway comment. Yeah. Honestly. Oh, they did reach out to Drew. He said no. So here we are with Ian fucking Book on Monday Night Football. I was like, what? they reached out to Drew. I thought we were joking about that type of thing. Apparently not. I guess a couple days ago they did. He said, I'm enjoying golf. Drew might have been getting a little nosy for football like most retired quarterbacks do there early. Mm-hmm. And he started seeing film of himself on uh, Football Night in America. Yeah. yeah. He's good on TV. Yeah, kind of selfish, though. He's What's that? He's kind of selfish. I didn't want to come back and save New Orleans. Does he hate the Saints? Yeah. Does he? Hey, people are asking. No, they are not. Yeah, yeah, I saw a few. Why yeah. do you guys want Drew Brees to throw himself back into six car crashes on primetime television no. when he's got a fresh new cut, yeah. fresh new chair, and slicing and dicing the media industry. He could have been slicing and dicing the defense, maybe, but he Not said, that no. Dolphins defense. Ain't that right? I think that's maybe why. Not against that B-flow defense. Yeah. Not happening. But they did call Phil Rivers, I guess, and Phil says too soon. Wow. Is Phil wow. Rivers back wow. on her center? Isn't Phil wow. still trying to get one of these? Hey, everyone one of these. High school's got one of these. I'm pretty sure yeah. their season should be over. Oh, I thought the state Not Phil Rivers sure. team. They're winning. They're, winning. they're probably playing still, into February. Yeah. Yeah. That is... Thank you all so much for allowing us to penetrate your ear holes and remember... Your opinions are your opinions. You're smarter and better than everybody. You should feel justified in that fact because nobody has gone through what you have gone through to lead you to the decision that you have made right now. You should be comfortable in that. You should be confident in that. And also, you should understand there's going to be people that disagree with you out there that you might think are the dumbest humans of all time. They might be. They probably are. 
Don't get obsessed with it. Let's keep living and enjoying this life. There's enough shit to bring us down. We might as well try and enjoy this thing while we're here. None of us are getting out alive. (laughs) Hack joke. I appreciate you all so much. I appreciate everybody's effort. I think tomorrow's show is going to be another big one as well. Be a friend, tell a friend if you enjoyed this. Ty, please play some independent music and propel these people into a beautiful Aaron Rodgers Tuesday evening. Happy birthday to Adam Vinatieri. Cheers. Cheers.